0: You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door.
1: WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 541. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. Your host, Captain Jeff broadcasting live from Studio 1A at former APG headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 19th of October, 2022. Yeah, he's up in the sky. today's episode, a Cessna crashes in Virginia during a training flight killing the instructor. British fighter jets intercept a flight to Manchester and diverted because of a bomb threat. More news and your feedback, so get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 541 is ready for pushback.
2: Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 1010 wins in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. It's an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback and your questions. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining us from his home studio in the Valley of the Sun world traveler, airplane mechanic, doggy rescue volunteer, fitness hound, and international air freight captain, it's Miami Rick. Hey,
0: everybody. Uh, Back again uh, from a couple of weeks of flying, but uh, home now, looking forward to a good one.
2: We're looking forward to it as well. Great to have you, Rick, and also joining us from his studio...
3: In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire.
2: Professional photographer, former RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin
4: Atlantic Airways, it's Captain Nick. Well, hi, everybody, and uh, great to see nearly a full house here. Looking forward to a great show. We are all looking forward to it, and also, hey, hey, hey,
2: it's... From his studio in the air capital, low and slow pilot, old airplane enthusiast, and engineer in the aerospace and defense industry, it's Nick Macho Camacho. Hey, Captain Jeff and everybody else. I'm glad to be back again. Glad to have you back as well. And also, last but certainly not least, a place to stand, a place to grow. From her studio in Toronto, Canada, retired financier, aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master and our producer director it's liz piper
5: hi everybody
2: great to have all of you and we're also going to be joined while the show is in progress by our final co-host probably the best one besides me uh dr staff
4: certainly the prettiest besides you yeah besides me (laughs) (laughs) all right have so. a good one, boys. You behave <laughs> yourselves.
2: Well, yeah, don't, don't count is. on it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> let's, uh, let's do some aviation news right now. Yes. Stand by for news. All right, let's start with the uh, Ida B uh, report, Eastern Airways uh, E-170 at Birmingham on, uh, that's Birmingham, England, so I, w- I guess it would be Birmingham. The original. How, how would you say that? Birmingham.
5: Birmingham.
4: Birmingham,
2: Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham. Birmingham.
4: Uh, (laughs) You could just say Birmingham because all the others are copies. Uh, Okay. So if you just say Birmingham, everyone knows it. Birmingham. The OG.
2: Okay. Uh, Let's see. So they were going from there to – no, they were going from Gibraltar to Birmingham. With 18 passengers and five crew was descending towards Birmingham when the crew received a pitch trim fail caution message. The pilot flying disconnected the autopilot to counter the threat of a possible pitch-trim runaway. A short time later, the AP fail uh, caution eliminated. The crew continued the approach but needed more force than normal on the yoke. Upon landing, the crew also received a steer fail message. The captain took control and taxied the aircraft to the apron using differential braking and asymmetric power. Why? On on October 13th... uh, on October 13th, 2022, the AAIB, the Air Accidents Investigation Branch, released their bulletin concluding the probable causes of the serious incident were the failure of the pitch trim system probably occurred because of jamming of the horizontal stabilizer as a result of freezing of water ingression in the ball nut. Hmm, sounds painful. <laughs> Due to condensation. Ball nuts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Although, really nasty. And we, we know. Five minutes later.
2: I've never tried the ball nut, but I have the corn nuts are really good with beer. Um, anyway, the investigation found that the operator had lubricated hmm, the horizontal stabilizer <laughs> at the intervals specified by the manufacturer to prevent such an occurrence. Okay, so they did what they were supposed to do. Uh, jamming of the horizontal stabilizer resulted in the loss of the pitch trim functionality. Consequently, the pilot flying experienced greater than normal nose-down pitch forces on the approach. The pilot flying de- delegated the monitoring of the throttles, which were still in auto throttle, to the pilot monitoring to allow him to use both hands on the yoke. That's kind of smart. The pilot flying flew a stable approach and made a safe landing. However, on landing, the steer, fail, caution, eliminated as a result of an unrelated sensor failure. The commander took control and brought the aircraft to a safe stop and taxied the aircraft to stand using differential braking. The AAIB analyzed the fixed position of the horizontal stabilizer was probably caused by the jamming of the ball nut due to the freezing of water ingress. It Itself probably the result of condensation. Although examination of the H-S-A-C-E, I guess that's the is that the, the um, registration number of the airplane. I
4: don't know.
0: Horizontal stabilizer actuator control electronics. It's a uh, it's, wow. Um, How did you know that?
4: Yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah. you're good, oh,
0: Okay.
2: Well, you know what? Just, Let's go ahead and end the show. Uh, thanks for everybody for. Uh, <laughs>
0: well, we can't improve on that. You're quite no. right. Well, because fly-by-wire—that's that's the way fly-by-wire aircraft works. Basically, what you do is you're 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 basically sending. You have position transducers on all your all your um um your yoke um you know both for roll and pitch, and your rudder pedal. So all you're really doing those position transducers uh, send a. Displacement signal to what's called the ACES, the aviation uh, 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 avionic control electronics, and those send the electronic signal to the power control units, which actually move the flight control surface. So that's that's a, that's kind of how you know fly by wire works.
2: Well, so, that's just fine. But how did you know the uh, acronym HSACE stood
0: for that? Because it's the same on the triple seven.
2: Oh, uh, that's cheating! Okay. No. <laughs> well, we we were very impressed with that. Well, yeah, we still are actually, because yeah. <laughs> I would have forgotten it a long time ago. Because it's been a while since you've flown the triple seven. Uh,
0: yeah, it's been a little while. And sorry, I, I said I, I said actuator control electronics, right? That's I think I so.
2: Said. I don't know. Yeah, it just so, sounded yeah. too actuator
0: Actuator control electronics is you're, you're you're actuating the the actuators electronically, basically. So that's, oh, that's that. Okay. Well, anyway. I
6: Hall says you guys are being nutballs, not ball nuts.
2: Yeah, we are. (laughs) I Hall says we are uh, being nutballs, not ball nuts. Or maybe (laughs) both. I don't know. Um, Anyway, so uh, examination of the HSACE only identified a single channel failure. This condition alone should not prevent the surface movement of the channels, or as the channels are automatically switched after the failure of one channel. The system is designed so that only one HSACE channel is active at a time and is able to command the system. Since the HS or H-STAB, I guess it's horizontal stabilizer, was fixed, Mm -hmm. the active channel was not able to command any movement. After switching, the standby channel became active but could not command movement as well for the same reason. This condition resulted in the loss of pitch trim functionality and elimination of the pitch trim fail caution. The disengagement of the Autopilot by the pilot flying, even though this is not required by the relevant procedure, addressed the hazard of a more potentially serious trim condition of a pitch trim runaway. Uh, Autopilot trim functionality indicated by the elimination of the AP fail caution would not have been available owing to the pitch trim failure. So I think what they're trying to say is that was probably a good move, even though it wasn't actually called for in their procedure.
0: Yeah, and something of note here um, so when the autopilot at least on Boeing aircraft, and and seems to me that the fact that the that Embraer uses the same acronyms as uh, as Boeing and, and the Triple Seven, which is um, what I'm familiar with, um, people seem to forget or not basically not know that um, when the autopilot, when the aircraft's on autopilot, right, um, you basically have two motors, um, be it uh, directly connected to the, to the hydraulic system. Sends a um, actuator control electronics uh, unit if it's if it's a normal conventional you know cable aircraft or through an ACE if it's a uh, fly by wire aircraft. Um, when the autopilot uh, commands a pitch change, either nose up or nose down, it's not the elevator that is moved th- through the autopilot or via the autopilot. It's actually the entire horizontal stabilizer uh, that causes that um, that pitch change. And so, um, obviously, as we've read uh, so far here, the fact that the stabilizer was jammed in a certain position, um, and when the uh, pilot in command or the or the pilot flying uh, disconnected the the autopilot, he had to introduce a bit um, of of a uh, you know heavier uh, control input force into the yoke to maintain the aircraft uh, the aircraft uh, vert- um, vertical path because the the stabilizer itself was frozen in, uh, in a I guess, a pitch-down position. So in order to counteract that, you had to pull up a little harder. Um, so th- that's basically it. So the as as a, as a recap, um, the autopilot does not move the elevator. The autopilot moves the entire horizontal stabilizer.
2: Okay. That makes sense. All right. Uh, let's continue as soon as I can find that. Okay, here we go. One D. Well, no, we're still... We're still working this one here, oh. Liz. Oh,
6: I thought you'd continue. Okay, go ahead. No,
2: I mean continue with the narrative of this one. Um, that's okay. Um, let's see. So as as uh, Rick mentioned, the the horizontal stabilizer was stuck at minus two point four degrees, and so yeah, we can go we can go into all the, the details of here. Uh, it, uh, although I do I would note that Rick, you kind of um, you kind of uttered. Uh, uh, some dissatisfaction with uh, what they did after they got the steer fail on the ground.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, kudos on getting the thing on the ground, but you know, at that point, it'd be like, "Well, boys, I'm done." So, why put yourself in a position where you? I, but, 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 I, I hear that. I, I gather there's more to the story. So,
2: no, well, so I was going to say I thought the same thing, and then I I read somewhere that uh, I guess they have some kind of a system that's like a like a free castering kind of a, a nose wheel system and that it's not it's not like unusual as it is in most transport category aircraft to actually control steering with differential braking and and differential power um but I don't know I could be wrong about well, that I've never flown that Well here's better. the thing
0: so when when uh, when um commercial aircraft uh, or at least the ones that have flown I don't know if uh, the smaller ones are like but uh, that's what she said um, um, I don't know how the smaller uh, yeah, jets you are do. Like. you know what they're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you usually you usually have what's called a steering bypass pin installed prior to pushback and basically what that does it it, uh, it disconnects whatever hydraulic system is in charge of nose wheel steering um, because if you try to push back an aircraft and um, steering bypass is not engaged, then you cannot turn that nose wheel. Uh, it's not going to cast her on its own. Um, I am not familiar with the uh, Ember 175 or any other jungle jet for that matter. I've never flown any of them. Um, so I don't know. That's why, um, he, you know, when, when I read just now that uh, the guy was trying to, or gal, I don't know, I was trying to um, uh, taxi the aircraft off with a uh, differential brake and differential thrust, I'm like, well, so how does that work if you don't have a steering bypass been installed? Uh, installed. So, but I, I don't know. Maybe there are some 175 uh, drivers. out Yeah, here? I
2: think we need some input from the 175 guys because it Captain says, Craig,
0: where's Captain? Yeah, Craig? Yeah, where's
2: Captain Craig? He needs to uh, yeah, call. Um, but the, it says the steer fail caution was triggered by a sensor failure. The result this resulted in a loss of steering. Um. Through the pedals and the hand wheel, which required the pilot flying to steer the aircraft in free wheel mode.
0: All I'm thinking is, if something happens, you put the, you put it into a ditch. Um, thinking as a lawyer, how do you justify uh, well, I know, that? True. If you had if you had that uh, that advisory, how's is the insurance company going to pay up, knowing that you took it upon yourself to tax the aircraft with that caution uh, displayed? So I would just be like, you know what, I just, just send a tug out. I'm done for the day and, uh, whatever. And, you know, I can use that time to put all my stuff away.
2: I think it depends on which, you know, like if you, what, what, uh, level of deduction, you know, it was a high deductible, then maybe they'd let you skate. (laughs) But if it's a low deductible kind of thing, you know, comprehensive, then they probably would not have paid. I don't know. I know. Um, so i I'm, I'm just kidding by the way i don't know what i'm saying um <laughs> i guess really the point of all this is that i guess the air accidents investigation Inve- investigation investigation branch yeah them too <laughs> i don't know sorry <laughs> both of them <laughs> yeah all those people uh kind of basically we're saying they did, they did a pretty good job here of uh handling the situation and kind of actually thinking outside the box a little bit and uh doing things that really did aid in um you know, solving uh, the or you know, a good solution for this problem, except for maybe the steering thing at the end, uh, and uh, because it, it wasn't necessarily called for in their procedure. So I I, I think this is a positive thing from this uh, aircraft.
0: I like the CRM. I like how the the, the PF delegated the monitoring yeah. of the engines to the uh, PM. That's that's great. In fact, I remember um, while doing a um, when the, when the hell was this? a couple of years ago, um I was doing uh, oh, I was coming back and flying the seven six, and i we were you know on the on the uh, initial sim for my seven six requalification a couple of years ago. and uh, one of the sessions called for um, a complete failure of your um your primary instruments, and you're basically left with your standby stack, which is just you know standby attitude, standby airspeed and uh, and your um your whiskey compass. And um uh, as 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 part of the problem, you know, that since, since you lose most of your primary and secondary systems, uh, you're left with manual uh, mm-hmm. thrust. And so you know, my um, me and my my FO which Thusting basically came up boner. with a plan where Ooh. I will do the flying and he has to make sure that the you know we stay on speed and you know, just just keep an eye on the speed and as we configure, make sure that, you know, the the speed is trending correctly and all of that other stuff. So Exactly. You divide and you conquer. That's why there's, there, there's two of us up there. And I think, as, par, as far as that goes, they did a great job.
2: Yeah. So. And I think it was interesting. I, at, at first, I was thinking that the, the pilot flying was the captain, but turns out it was the first officer, if I read that correctly, uh, hmm. because uh, the pilot monitoring took over control. The commander took over once they got on the ground. So it was a good move by that, um, you know, the, the first officer to say, hey, boss. You got the throttles, you know. Guard those things, and make sure that uh, they're set properly. Because and that's
0: also and that's also great. That's a good point there, Jeff, as well. Because sometimes oftentimes it's it's better for the for the for the commander for the uh, pilot in command to kind of take more of a of take a step back and look at the bigger picture and 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 look at at, at the broader you know aspect of, of, of variables. Um. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, just kind of monitor from kind of behind and let the 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 whoever's flying the the FO uh just handle just the, just strictly the flying uh, and, and concentrate on that. So that's as I said CRM wise. Yeah. Spot on. Good job. Till you have to taxi it.
2: Acme uh is uh they kind of expect the that scenario for the captain to and and I brief this when you know if we have an abnormal situation if I'm pilot flying you know, I'll handle like the initial action items and I'll communicate outside. You start working the abnormal procedures inside, communicate inside. But at some point, once everything is under control and stabilized, more than likely, unless it's a new usual situation and, you know, this whole thing is dynamic, but expect that I'm going to give you the control of the airplane and I'll take over the inside management and talking to the passengers and the flight attendants and everything else. Then you just concentrate on you know, putting us on a fifteen-mile final, and you know, getting us on the ground is you know, whatever. So exactly, that's that's the kind of standard philosophy at Acme, anyway. All right, very good, um, Nick, Captain Nick, uh, or Nick Camacho, You guys have been kind of quiet on this. Uh, anything to add or subtract from what we've said so far? No.
0: Well. Nick, uh, Captain Nick doesn't know what a yoke is, so I imagine not. Um, oh, yeah, that's and, true. Uh, yeah. Nick, Nick Amacho?
4: I know what a joke is. <laughs> Usually the bloke on the yoke. <laughs>
6: wow. <laughs>
7: no, I, I. you know, t- it's just interesting to me that, uh, you know, freezing condensation is kind of a edge case that I don't think would be the first thing that comes to my mind if I'm designing an airplane and I'm thinking, all right, how I'm going to actuate this surface there are all sorts of things that i'd be worried about and a jack screw jamming because of freezing condensation would be very far down the list for me <laughs> hmm. yeah good point
4: that's yeah, a, well, i wonder could, how could, effective the anti-condensation greasing was
0: that's that was exactly what i was gonna say i wonder yeah. i wonder if uh if they use the proper one because the the water contents on on, on some are higher than others and so you know that's just, you know, stuff to keep a, keep an eye on and, and and think about.
2: Well, didn't they say that the? Uh, it seems to me that they yeah, kind they said of said it. Well,
6: they had done the right said that
2: they had done the right thing. That they had done the procedure as
7: they were supposed to regarding. Well, the Well, I mean, procedures. you
0: can do so, the procedure, but if you're not using the right thing.
7: Well, yeah, and they yeah. They, they said it. They had done the procedure in accordance with uh, the manufacturer's recommendations. So um, yeah, maybe so the, the manufacturer, manufacturer may not be recommending right, the yep.
4: right frequency or right guys are so picky
7: about this stuff i mean
4: yep gosh <laughs> well um, it's a pretty serious thing to freeze up quite honestly <laughs> well
2: yeah you're right you're right let's go to this next item pilots ignored it's in all caps controllers instructions at zurich airport it's a youtube video from real atc and let's play it right now okay Video is based on ATC, ATC communications and data from flight something rather.
5: other. <laughs> 476 Lima Hotel, your departure in slot. 476 Lima Hotel, hold short Alpha 2, your departure within the slot, the list in 5 minutes. Uh, could you just confirm the seat? Uh, hi, sir. Could you just confirm the uh, seat once again, please? Who is talking to me? Uh, yeah, uh, I said hi. Uh, can you just give us a What's oh, so yeah, Well, do you have a call sign? <laughs> oh, sorry, 8 <mate>. uh, um, <laughs> yes. yes. from Lima Hotel. Your slot is 58-1-3, so seat up 03. Okay, mm-hmm. the seat up is not 5-8. Uh, so it's five, 7 5 in degrees, 7 14, clear the line.
2: Okay, I'm going to pause this for a moment. They, the instruction was to hold short of a taxiway intersection. And they're focusing now on the CTOT time, which I don't think is really that significant, honestly. No,
4: not, not once you're taxiing, really. You taxi for a CTOT, which is a calculated takeoff time. And it's to prevent a big buildup of aircraft queuing at the uh, end of the runway, burning gas. So mm-hmm. computerized time, you've got a slot, you're going to taxi in turn. And once you get going, you know, uh, your CTOTs, you'd more or less throw it out the window because you'll usually go when you get to the end of the runway. Right. But, you know. And, and so, so he's get- thinking
2: it's 58, but like it's like 58 to 03. That's only... If I'm doing my math correctly, that's five, five minutes. minutes. It's yep. not Absolutely, a really significant yeah. we,
6: we amount could, of time. Dinkie's we could talk ve- longer than, ve- than that.
4: Picky. just about sea tops. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's continue.
5: I need to drink a top. Austin, Lima, Bravo. Contact apron 121-S-1855. 855 from 76 Lima Hotel, your sea tilt is 1803. Makes a slot of 58213. Expect to depart within that slot. I guess we're not happy with that. Thank you. I can do that because on the, uh, on the screen in front of us at the, uh, at the gate we had 5-8. 5 eight, 8 That's fine. Right. Let it go! I think that's your calculated departure time. No, no, it was C.1758. What we did was C.1758, but that's it. It's my door. These pilots
2: are so. Come on. Picky. I Yes, <laughs> there must be something wrong. Someone yeah, made a I mistake.
5: Leave a hotel. Um, I ordered you to hold short at Alpha Two. You passed, and you're at Alpha One already.
6: <laughs>
5: Oops! <laughs> gotcha. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Oops. It's not all about slots. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very long day for everyone, sir, so I do apologise, and if you want to write on your posters, do that. <laughs> I love I hope it. That, uh,
2: now, when he said that, the controller kind of says, well, it wasn't all that clear. It's almost like he's going, yeah, I understand why there was some confusion here. It's not all that clear, that little Mm -hmm. sign that you had in front of your aircraft before you pushed back
4: or whatever. But why are we worrying?
2: That's the thing. So let's continue <laughs> yeah. the, the, the very end of this. Yeah,
5: motor. yeah he there.
4: he's pretty slack, this guy.
2: Yeah. And so he goes on his way. And uh,
5: seven, six Lima Hotel, wind, 300 zero, zero degrees, 7 knots, from 828, cleared Stegall. Oh,
4: and And for being alive and for flying for France.
2: <laughs> so you know, at least I gotta give them credit. They they did say, you know what? Maybe we were a little bit, you know, being too key about the whole thing. <laughs> we you know, like sorry about that. Uh and sorry Pick, but- your,
0: pick yep. your battles, man. Come
2: on. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> So, yeah, it's – so here – the reason why I think that it was important for us to cover this, it's it's almost a non-event, but it could have been much worse because anytime you let something like this – Distract, distract you, you. Uh, into what you really should be doing and paying close attention to, like holding short of certain – in this case, it wasn't a big deal, but it could have been a big deal if they were told to hold short of a runway or a taxiway where there's going to be a conflict. You, you, know.
0: you know, not only that, but I was I was thinking, you know, weather could have been bad and he, he could have been told to – although he would have been told specifically to hold short of the ILS critical area, but maybe – you know, if 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 conditions are such that, um, you know, they're conducting CAT 2 or CAT 3 approaches, you've got to hold short of the ILS critical area. And if you're told to do so, you have to, because if you don't, you may very well be compromising the integrity of the ILS that the other aircraft is uh, relying on to perhaps even do an auto land. Yeah, um, that's true. So, um, and another thing um, usually when, when things are are working normally and things are flowing, uh, you can expect, you can plan on, and, and I mean, and I guess, you know, Captain Nick and Captain Jeff back me up on this. If, if, if you think I'm right, uh, you can, you can expect on about a, about a 15 to 20 minute, uh, time, um, uh, you know, for, for, for 15 to 20 minute, uh, uh, you know, length of time to elapse from the moment you push back to the moment you are, um, about ready to go. Um, so just kind of work backwards from there. Um and again pick your battles because uh yeah. if if you, uh, you you don't you don't want that kind of energy in the flat deck, at least. I mean I know I don't.
2: But so, we all um, know people that they 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 they, they latch on to something and, and and we all know and, and unfortunately, uh, one of the characteristics of a lot of people that are in our job is like I have to be right. Don't yeah, it's we're, like
0: we're very type A.
2: Yes. Very type A. And and, and there are a lot of controllers that way, too. And then when you have a controller and a pilot that are both type A and we're both right, that can be a – yeah, that would be a – yeah, good point, Liz. Clash of the type A's. Uh, um, And I just – I've just found – and I'm not a – I'm not really that type A person. You know, if I do something that's wrong or I think that maybe I've misunderstood something or I could have made a mistake, I'll just go ahead right away and say, hey, I'm I'm just – you know, I think maybe I – I misunderstood or whatever. I just I'm I'm not one of those people I'm going to die on this sword because you know because I it's, it's so important for me to be right about it.
0: And, and you think about it, that's not the kind of person you want in command, really. No. You want someone that is able to um obviously be assertive. Yes, um, but also be able to understand when you're in the wrong because if you are one of those that never makes a mistake, it's 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 you're dangerous and that's not good
2: so true so true okay uh let's uh remove this from the studio there's a
4: doctor in the waiting room
2: oh wow <laughs> really oh no! wow She's the magazine. Ah, ah, there, there she is, is. dr stuff welcome
6: full
8: crew
2: full crew look at that yeah full crew yeah uh, I'm not going to play your thing and do your no, thing because it. I usually screw going, it up fine. anyway. No, 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 it's okay.
7: So, uh, thank if you. people
8: f- don't know who I am, they can go back and listen to the last episode. What he's I trying to say on. is he <laughs>
7: already screwed it up on the first go around for the rest of <laughs> and he doesn't want to go over to you. Thank you for clarifying, uh,
2: uh Nick Camacho. You
8: know, I, I, had a suspicion, but I, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Who, who invited this Nick Camacho guy to be with us? Yeah, I don't like him. Okay. Yeah. That is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, let's now that we have, uh, Steph with us and Nick Camacho because they're, um, uh, more focused in on the general aviation world. Uh, we have a couple of items in our news that I think would really benefit from their knowledge, experience, and, uh, analysis. And, uh, let's go to item one, a, a, um, uh, have not clicked on the right thing. Here we go. Uh, A Cessna 172 Skyhawk, uh, November 97883, uh, was uh, taking off from runway 20 at the Newport News Williamsburg Airport. Uh, At 100 feet, about 80 seconds into the takeoff, the aircraft reportedly pitched up aggressively, Lost lift and crashed 200 feet from the departure end. Three people were on board the plane when it crashed. Please say the plane was piloted by a student, uh, 18-year-old Oluwagbohomi Ayomide Boyd Of yes, that's the way you say it. Of mm-hmm. Hanover, Maryland.
6: It.
2: He was taken to a local hospital with serious injuries, then transferred to the Virginia. Or BCU, I'm not sure what that stands for. Virginia Commonwealth, Virginia Commonwealth University, University, University Hospital in, in Richmond. Okay. Uh, state police totally officials say the female instructor identified as uh, 23-year-old Victoria uh, Tarisi Isabel Jungman of Williamsburg died at the scene. She was a licensed commercial pilot as well as a flight instructor. Uh, From her roommate, a quote, Victoria didn't have a single bad bone in her body. Not only was she nice, but she was intelligent, beautiful, adventurous, punctual, a risk taker, and radiated positive energy. Uh, That was uh, Miana Mabry, her roommate. She was truly someone you only meet once, and I will love her until the day after forever. That was nice. A third person, a an 18-year-old male, also suffered life-threatening injuries. Both 18-year-olds are students in an aviation class at Hampton University, according to investigators. The FAA and the National Transportation Safety Board are now investigating the crash. Virginia State Police provided an update Friday morning on the investigation and said it revealed that uh, the student pilot at the controls attempted to pull the aircraft up too steep at an angle at takeoff. This caused the airplane to stall, which led to the crash. And as as I said, the official cause of the crash investigation or the crash remains under investigation. So this is one of these situations where, and I guess it's not too unusual because I was looking at some of the commentary um, regarding this uh, incident in Catherine's report. Oh yeah. I need to start saying all this stuff, but uh, we have the information from Catherine's report and also the AOPA.org where the, there are times when um, certified flight instructors uh, can be startled and overwhelmed by a student who kind of freaks out and starts activating controls and sometimes are so strong and big and powerful that the certified flight instructor can't override what is happening and this seems to be although that you know of course it's still under an investiga- investigation maybe or at least uh, a possible scenario on this the only thing else that i would mention here is that when they cleared them for takeoff they did warn them that uh, caution wake turbulence there were some uh, military uh, fighters that had taken off uh, on a crossing runway. And they said, caution, wake turbulence. Now, I'm not sure if that's a factor or not. Uh, it could be, you know, you encounter wake turbulence from some high-performance airplanes that could really kind of cause your airplane to do, you know, things that you weren't expecting. So that's a possibility as well. So they're they're really not sure exactly what happened here. But it seems to me most of the sources that i uh, went to for this accident, uh, kind of were pointing toward the student um, over overpowering the controls and uh, the. So C- most of
8: the most of the discussion that I've seen has been around that, and I think uh, I, you know certainly we don't know the official cause. And there's um, Mark Anderson makes a good point in the chat room too, which I'll get to in a second. Um, But I think a lot of the discussion has been around that, especially from a lot of the forums that I've been on, um, where there are a lot of flight instructors, because this is um, something that perhaps you don't consider as much, especially when you're first starting out as an instructor and something that's very scary to uh, especially flight instructors who are. Smaller stature, not as strong, um, you know, there's that's a possibility. And what do you do in that scenario? So there's been a lot of discussion about things that people have encountered in the past and have done to mitigate that type of a situation. Um, uh, the, the best one I saw, or the one that I liked the most, it was very interesting and seemed to be very effective for that particular instructor, was they had, they carried a feather with them in their pocket. And if there was someone who wouldn't let go of the control, they would stick it in their ear. And they said every single time it's effective. The person drops what they're doing and looks over with the, them in the
0: ear I'll, with a I'll feather. Knock them in the, <laughs> knock them in the neck. A well, feather. That
8: was a feather. Um, but most of the comments Let's actually go, were go. You yeah, know, karate chop, some sort <laughs> of you know aggressive maneuver. But um, no matter what, you have to be you know you have to be paying attention to what's going on. You have to have a. Uh, um, some sort of thought and action plan, because if it's someone who's very strong, someone who's very new at the control, someone who's, um, you know, has a very unexpected response um, or in, inappropriate input, um, you have to be able to counteract that pretty quickly. I'm not an instructor in any, you know, training environment type stuff that I've been in has mostly been working with pilots who are, um, you know, getting an intro to flying skydiving operations. And so they're they're already commercial um uh, and rated pilots, so it's a little bit different. Um, they' still you know there's a lot of training aspects that go into that as well, but it's usually not me having to take over on the controls um, yeah uh, the thing that um Mark brought up is you know if someone's seat moves back abruptly on takeoff and you you know bring the controls back with you, that would be not ideal either, that is a so.
2: factor that uh, yeah. apparently there was some kind of a uh, an ad regarding that and that mm-hmm. uh, they're supposed to get that fixed because uh, it's not unusual for the seat rail or the seat to be having
8: locked. having flown a 172 november model like this one is yeah. the very first 172 that i spent i probably did my first hundred hours in um i've had that seat move oh yeah before <laughs> and you
0: know and <laughs> it's fine we'll do that. When- when I was a CFI, that's something that actually. I, I used to actually brief that. If your seat moves aft, or if my seat moves aft, I will let go of the controls and just just roll with it. Same thing with you. If your seat moves aft, let go of the controls because if you don't, we will both die. That's mm-hmm. my so yeah, exactly. It's something briefed
8: not, as well. I mean, we talked about it because it's annoying.
0: yeah, and be it a seven one seventy two or a seven forty seven. anytime there's any kind of seat issue that is AOG aircraft on ground. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that will ground that aircraft because you got to figure out what's wrong with the seat before you can go on.
2: Captain Nick. So you were an instructor pilot in the military and I was too, and we uh, wore helmets and oxygen masks. So did you have a technique for um, taking over a situation? If uh, your student may, um, you know, like be monopolizing the controls.
4: Uh, not really, because we were in a four and a half situation, oh, so we reached in right. separate cockpits. Yeah, but uh, I will say that um, it was so ingrained in military student pilots that the formal handover and takeover of control, um, you know, was essential for safety. The "I have control, you have control" business, it was very formal. And uh, it was never sort of, in my experience, abbreviated or turned into some slang. You got it, I got it. It was kept like a formal order um, so that if the instructor said, I have control, you immediately relinquish control because, you know, you were kind of used to receiving uh, orders like that. And I wonder how well disciplined or perhaps it's the wrong term because we're talking about civilian instructors here but how much time they spent uh ingraining that reaction from their students um rather than being all nice and you know uh pleasant about it oh uh, you know you take the airplane i'm fine um rather than this is what we when we're in an emergency situation. I need you to react immediately if I say these words.
2: Some of the people in our live audience are kind of um, uh, pointing toward uh, Captain Dana's uh, technique <laughs> of, uh, of of uh, the baseball bat and wow. h- hitting them in the head. Uh, but not everybody has one of those readily available. Now, I flew an airplane when I was a, a, a training instructor in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, the trainer that I flew in the T37, the the tweet uh, was side by side. And if somebody was monopolizing controls and pulling back on the stick or doing something inappropriate, all you had to do is just reach over and squeeze the oxygen mask hose. And (laughs) as soon as you did that, they can't breathe anymore. And then the Uh, natural reaction is to just let go of whatever they're 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 holding on to and just grab their oxygen mask because they can't breathe.
0: Yeah. No, I'm not. not to, that's a great way. Yeah. To yeah. captains. To captains. Nick uh, Nick's point. Um, uh, the. Um, I guess the importance of the right phraseology, as far as who is flying the aircraft, uh, is 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 of such importance, really, that it, it's it is. Um standard operating procedures, what, what, what verbiage has to be used, the words that have to be said in that exact way um, uh, so that there is no confusion. There is no, um, there is no vacillation as far as, you know, who is, who is flying the aircraft at one, at, at one point or another. And and at least for my airline, the words are, I have control. You have control. Anytime you, you transfer control of the aircraft, uh, not only that, but you have to do it. You say it, and then whoever is uh, taking over control of the aircraft has to say, "I have control," to make sure and confirm that the, picture, the person actually has control, whether the autopilot's on
2: or not. But if you're in a situation where somebody is panicking, especially if they're mm-hmm. relatively mm-hmm. new to flying, those words aren't going to mean anything. I don't think. I mean, they they're just going to be. That 100%. Yeah, they don't yeah. hear that at all. They're oh, yeah. just like grabbing on for dear life.
0: You know what I was thinking? So I, I read about this uh this, this terrible, terrible accident, and this, you know, young, beautiful girl full of promise. Um her, obviously her her um her ultimate goal was to become an airline pilot. Um and that just makes me think about um how many of how how lucky we are to get to where we got. Um, because uh this could happen to any of us and it wasn't her fault. Um, no. And so it just it, it when I read about it, it just broke my heart because I, yeah. I remember those days coming up as a flight instructor, you know. <laughs> and I I went into her, her Instagram the other day, and she was she was um, holding short, and there was this ERJ uh, 145 landing there, and she was following it, you know, along with the camera. And I remember those days, you know, looking at a jet and thinking, man, that's gonna be me one day. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it just, just, just killed me. It, really, it would it have been. Really
2: it would hard have hard. been if
4: this had not happened.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, but uh, I mean, if we get
4: to it, the there's a similar item coming up in the news. Oh. Yes, where mm-hmm. the instructor was screaming, "Let go, let go, let go, let go, let go," which is I don't know. Is that kind of he's forgotten what to say, or is it his last ditch? shouting at his, stu- in, in his student to let go of the controls um, because if they don't react to what you've breathed them and also the, your um, absolute, you know, your determination to make sure they understand who's in command of the airplane, you know, you're the student and the instructor. I don't want to come in heavy on this, but if it's going to kill you, you really want your student to understand what to do if things start to go wrong. Uh, and relinquishing control is is a vital part of that.
7: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one important aspect of that, though, is that that second one you're talking about, Captain Nick, was a like a discovery flight. So it wasn't even a student in a program yet. That was like a first yeah, flight experience. Point. So I do good feel point. like the expectation for verbiage would be significantly lower. Well,
1: understood let's, I'm just a, let's yeah. jump right jump into that it?
7: since we're talking about it it's going to be the next thing we're
2: talking about anyway uh nick camacho why don't you go ahead and uh take control of this one you have the aircraft
7: uh all right this is uh let's see let me scroll to the top uh, here. oh this is you... from Catherine's report mm-hmm. um let's see september 8th 2022 this says uh CSA Piper Sport, uh, fatal accident occurred September 8th, 2022 at Santa Monica Airport. Uh, That's Los Angeles area. Um, On September 8th, 2022, about 1626 Pacific Daylight Time, a Czech Sport aircraft, Piper Sport, November 126 Whiskey Kilo, was destroyed when it was involved in an accident in Santa Monica, California. The flight instructor and student pilot were fatally injured. The airplane was operated as a Title 14 uh, CFR Part 91 instructional flight. The flight was an introductory flight lesson for the prospective student pilot with a flight school uh, that was based in Santa Monica Airport. Prior to departure, the instructor provided about 45 minutes of basic ground instruction. Preliminary ADS-B data indicated that the airplane departed from runway 21 at 1551 flew runway heading and turned right after reaching the Pacific shoreline a few minutes later, the aircraft continued to fly North along the coast at altitudes varying between 600 and 2,775 feet mean sea level. After reaching Malibu, the airplane turned inland and around uh, point doom peninsula, then back East along the coast towards Santa Monica at 1622. The airplane had joined the right downwind leg for runway two, one, at the traffic pattern altitude of 1,200 feet. By the time the airplane had reached the base leg, it had climbed to an altitude of 1,375 feet, and as it made the base leg turn, it began to descend, reaching 600 feet, once it was established on final, about 1.25 miles from the runway threshold. Multiple witnesses observed the airplane land on runway two one. with one describing the landing as hard. The witnesses stated that the airplane then began to to aggressively pitch up and climb while the engine made a sound consistent with it going to full power. All the witnesses provided similar accounts of the airplane continuing to climb in a nose-up attitude before leveling off at apex of the climb, then spinning to the left, descending, and colliding with the ground. A security video camera located on the southeast side of the airport, adjacent to the runway 21 threshold and facing north, captured the final landing approach segment the video showed the airplane descending over the runway threshold markings at an altitude of about 25 feet above ground level and then passing to the left out of the camera's field of view. A second camera similarly positioned but facing northwest captured the other end of the runway threshold markings. As the airplane came into view, the main landing gear was already on the ground and the airplane then began to climb in a slightly nose-up attitude. Over the next three seconds the airplane pitched up to an almost vertical attitude and climbed out of the camera's field of view. The shadow of the airplane on the runway surface indicated that it continued to climb for another two seconds before descending and striking the ground about five seconds later. A preliminary audio recording of the airport's uh, common traffic advisory frequency captured the airplane's communications during the landing approach. The The instructor provided clear indications of the airplane's position as it flew in the traffic pattern, and the tower controller provided the pilot a clearance for the option during the landing approach. The pilot responded that it was going to be a full stop landing. And a few seconds later, uh, the audio captured the instructor screaming, Let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. The airplane struck the ground in a nose down attitude and came to rest at the intersection of taxiway B and B4, about 375 feet south of the runway 21 threshold. The cabin, inboard wings, and entire tail section were consumed by fire. With only ash remnants of the aft cabin and tail structure remaining. Oof! Yeah, that was uh, hmm.
2: not good. Very sad. That's it. So, huh. as as uh, you mentioned, um, Nick Camacho, um, the this was a like a. a, a not a, a an instructional flight, but kind of an introductory kind of flight. Yeah, right. Uh, someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in airplanes, especially small airplanes, and uh, obviously, you know, just freaked out for some reason, and the right. instructor pilot couldn't overpower them. And as as Captain Nick mentioned, this is very similar to the first item that we or the uh, item we just talked about. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Steph? Um, what, I have a, I have a question. How can a company call their airplane a Piper Sport when they're not Piper? I had
8: the same question. <laughs> like, it's well, like, that seems very confusing. So from it, a
7: trademark it was standpoint. a Piper. So basically, oh. uh, okay. what oh. it is is it's a it's they a Czech the, airplane. Czech Sport is a company that manufactured them, and then for about two years, Piper licensed them oh. and sold them in the states as a Piper airplane. Okay. So it's… That's yeah. how the weirdness I was out. wondering yeah. how that okay. <laughs> how that worked out. Okay. And
0: I'll yeah. tell you, I, I love it. We cover the entire gamut of aviation here.
2: This is great yeah.
8: stuff. Mm-hmm. Sad stuff here. Um,
0: yeah,
2: really.
8: no, I mean this I mean having that audio is gosh, that's so disturbing to think about what oh, was no, happening just at that so, moment. You know,
2: let go, let go, let go. I mean, I I, I did not I purposely did not seek out that sure audio because no. No, no audio. that would have been just too hard to hear. That's
8: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, one, you know, very similar things, one on takeoff, one on landing here. Um, but it's kind of brought this conversation of what do you do if you're the instructor, the PIC in that situation, maybe not even with a student, maybe with just a passenger who's sitting up front in a GA aircraft that decides for some reason they're grabbing onto the controls for dear life and not letting go because of some sort of unrecognized, previously unrecognized fear or concern. I don't know. Have a plan, I suppose, think about the possibilities.
2: By the way, that uh, AOPA, uh, in our show notes, the AOPA analysis of that first one in um, Virginia uh, has some uh, discussion about some CFIs and what they would do in a situation where a student or whatever, an introductory Flying person um, is, try, you know, grabbing on and doing things that uh, are not appropriate, and how they can kind of take control of the situation. So it's definitely worth um, watching that video. It's a uh, pretty pretty important. All right, uh, let's. Uh, in, unless we want to say anything else about that, let's move on in our news segment to uh, the next one, which is this. We talked about a situation in our last show uh, where there was a Iranian um, A340 mm-hmm. uh, flight, uh, 340 uh, airplane, um, an Iranian flight. I forgot where they were going. But they were um, uh, asked to divert to a certain field. And then Captain Nick had mentioned the fact that uh, if this had happened over... You know, near London, that uh, they would uh, specifically uh, tell them to go to a designated field, Stansted. And uh, this item here uh, talks about a British holiday jet that was causing concern, intercepted by fighter jets, and uh, after a alleged bomb threat, a Jet2 flight from Turkish holiday resort of Dalaman to Manchester was intercepted by two Typhoon fighter jets. Uh, some of the uh, some of Nick's favorite jets, I think, um, and escorted to Stansted Airport in Essex after an alleged bomb threat was made against the flight. Uh, in a statement, the Royal Air Force said its Quick Reaction Alert Typhoon aircraft were launched this evening from RAF. Coningsby to intercept a civilian aircraft that was causing concern. The RAF con- confirmed that the Airbus A321 aircraft landed safely at Stansted Airport, a designated airport for dealing with terror, threats, and hijackings. The incident closed down the airport for a brief period, but a spokesperson for Stansted, st- Stansted said that departures and arrivals had now resumed. Uh, a Jet 2 confirmed in a series of tweets that Flight 922 had been diverted to Stansted under the direction of UK air traffic control, specifically Adam, and had been sent to a remote part of the large airfield where police met the aircraft.
4: He just likes messing people around.
2: <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you know, we thought that was kind of uh, timely. Thank you to
6: Captain Nick.
2: Yes, thank you to Captain Nick. We're uh, above the, or at least the 50% guarantee (laughs) here at the ABG. And uh, (laughs) yeah, you had mentioned that uh, Stansted was one of those designated airports where they're set up for this kind of thing.
4: The the reason is that if there's a big bomb on there, Stansted's a pretty ugly airport anyway, so yeah. you know, no one really cares <laughs> if it gets blown up.
0: Yeah, I like Stansted. Flying there with a seven four.
4: Well, that's the reason. It's got nothing but uh, you know. Guys flying freight in, who cares if exactly. they get blown up? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you
0: what, though. I mean, if you, you want to see, you want to see some funky airplanes in the, uh, in, the uh, in the in the London area? You go to Stansted. We used to park next to IL seventy sixes, you know, AN one twenty fours all the time. A lot of uh, Eastern Bloc yeah. stuff. Really Got to
4: be stuff. really careful walking around there because they're all these cargo jets. They're all leaking hydraulic fluid and oil everywhere. No, they're not. Very they're just easy, marking to fall the over.
0: <laughs> They're just
6: like...
0: They're just marking their territory. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> love it.
4: Jim yeah, Fulton but, has a good comment uh, there. Jim Fulton. Uh, it's nice to see the typhoons doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I love that aircraft. It, oh, yeah, you uh, do. <laughs> it took over. Yeah, it took over from the uh, F three tornado, and we were all very relieved to have an airplane uh, doing the fighter role that could actually you know oh. take. To I, turn I,
2: around. I was assuming I, when I saw typhoon. I, I guess because it starts with a T, I was thinking uh, tornado. So or tornado. Um, no,
4: no. You do like tornado. The used to used to take the entire length of the country to do an orbit. So uh, <laughs> you know the typhoon was a, a pleasant. And that was with the wings
0: that. not swept back.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And combat flaps out, and full burner. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's a fast airplane. <laughs> Okay. No, no, it's good. So, uh, yeah, that's where you, you go. Having said that, of course, uh, the captain has the right to uh, go and do whatever he uh, wants if he's in an emergency situation. So, if he doesn't want to go to Stanstead, he can always try not to. But I have <laughs> to say, with a pair of fully armed typhoons sitting behind him, he'd probably be, you know, inclined to You'll go advised. where they ask him to.
2: That's why you said he's try. Would try not to. Okay, yeah.
4: try.
0: Yes. Unless yes. the horizontal yeah. stabilizer actuator control electronics are acting up, then uh, mm. I yeah. he just or he's got, taxi it. So, uh, Or he's got Icy Nuts, icy <laughs> nuts back at that. That's, that's, that's the other reason. Yeah.
2: Mm. Okay. So, icy Nuts, yeah. possible mm. show title. All right, uh, let's continue with our last item in the news segment, Russian warplane crash. Uh, let's see, an apartment block in Russian southern city of Yesk was ablaze after a military aircraft crashed into the residential area. At least 15, 13 people have now died after a Russian fighter-bomber plane crashed into an apartment block in the southern Russian town of Yisk, officials say. The two pilots of the Su-34 uh, jet on a training flight ejected before it hit the building and caused a huge inferno. Rescuers revised the death toll after finishing their search of the rubble, Russia's emergencies ministry said. Three children were among the victims. The officials. <laughs>
0: I beg Whoa. your pardon. Yeah. You. The, uh,
2: uh, the official, wow, that was. That was
0: Captain's <laughs> Nick uh, reenactment of what
4: happened. Exactly. That was like the explosion. <laughs> the guy
0: sneezed and
4: crashed. When it, when it
2: hit the uh, apartment building. The official said that 68 were rescued from the blaze in the nine-story block. 19 p- injured people are being treated following the Monday evening crash, according to the pilots who jettisoned from the plane. The reason for the crash was a fire in one of the engines during takeoff. At that point where the SU-34 came down in the courtyard of a residential block, the plane's fuel supply caught fire. Uh, Oh, I do have some um, video that I can play. Uh, Let's see if I can uh, load that up right now without too much um, delay. Delay. And here we go. Boom. Open. And add to stream. Boom. Because there's some... uh, Right before it hit the building, it you could see a flash of fire. Whoa. And uh, there's some of the aftermath of it. Let me turn down the volume of this. Officials said it failed to gain altitude when the engine caught fire. And the residential building was engulfed in a fireball after the impact. Some scary music. At least six people died. Six people were missing. As we know now, it's at least 13. And uh, there's some pictures of the exterior of the apartment building. Um, There's some pieces of the airplane that we're seeing now in the video. And uh, both pilots ejected safely before the jet went down. And yeah, it was, a not a good situation here. Um, yeah. Russia's investigating authority said it had opened a criminal inquiry. That's always interesting to me. The, the terminology, when they say a criminal inquiry, I'm not sure it means the same thing that we all associate with criminal inquiry, but, um, it seems like um, in the world over there in the Russia wor- Russian world, they seem to use that term quite a bit. And as Liz is saying to me in my control room ear, it's like maybe a forensic kind of investigation, maybe not yeah. necessarily a criminal. Well,
4: a lot of countries have a uh, a sort of parallel system where you get one team will look at it from a purely safety aspect, another will actually look at it from. Uh, much exactly that, a criminal yeah. aspect. We're looking to see if there are any charges that need to be bought. So um, it, it's a very interesting mix in different countries. Uh, the United Kingdom, of course, we tend to have uh, the AIB, which is really purely a safety organization, um, and it's very rare for that to move on to the police, who have to conduct their own inquiry. So, uh, if you know if you're giving evidence to the IB, uh, you usually need to it should be explained to you that um, it, this couldn't be used in a court against you. So, um, it's the it's a way to ensure that whoever's involved in it, if they survive, they give a true account of what has occurred and they don't try and. Um, Couch their words in a way that absolves them of any blame. So, uh, you know, it, it, there are two different ways of approaching this. Okay. The Su-34 NATO uh, reporting name fullback. It's a development of the uh, Su-24, um, which was kind of Russia's copy of the F-111. So side by side cockpit, swing wing, etc. And uh, the SU-34 has taken that concept to the next generation. Similar cockpit layout, similar role, but with a uh, a much more uh, advanced-looking double-sweep delta canards, uh, twin fins, that sort of stuff. Oh, the uh, F-111 ski? Yes. Well, the uh, SU-24 was. It it looked very similar to the F-111, but this looks… More like a sort of a um fulcrum or uh flanco, but with you know it's got canards and the wing shape is Look, very advanced.
0: Looks like well, it's cause the cause the Sukoi thirty-seven has got the canards, whereas the Sukhoi twenty-seven does it and the, the airframes are very similar, but uh but yeah, you you you're spot on on that, Captain. Nick. The uh yeah. the side by side is a is a uh it harkens back to the Su twenty four days, which harken back to the F one eleven art days days. Um, I believe the last uh, Air Force to use the F one eleven in active service was the or the Aussies, I believe. If I'm not oh mistaken. yeah, they they
4: loved it. They uh, it yeah. was a great airplane uh, for them. And in fact, uh, the con- airframes were in such good condition. At one point, the um, Air Force wanted to buy them
0: back. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting. The uh, so the. Um, the ejection, the escape system on the on the F one eleven, it wasn't it wasn't just the um, uh, ejection seats. Uh, right. The entire uh, front end of the aircraft it was like it was a capsule. You know, the the entire cockpit would separate from the aircraft, uh, detach, and um, you know uh, keep the crew in there. And obviously with parachutes and everything, that would land uh, all on its own there uh, while the rest of the aircraft landed somewhere else. Uh, I thought that was really. Really interesting oh, concept, yeah. and, and uh, uh, an an
4: interesting uh, point to that was when they descended uh, in that in the front end of the airplane, the capsule. If they landed uh, on an ocean, um, they could couple this control stick <laughs> to a bailout device. So if they started taking on water, they could. Uh, we moved the stick back and forth in a rapid and exciting motion. <laughs> That's an interesting and, gesture. Uh, they would bail out. Could they you show squirt- us how that works again? You sh- <laughs> you <should> squirt- <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. They would squirt stuff out of a hole in the side. Wait,
6: what?
2: <laughs> this is hey, Nick, uh, you have this <laughs> this picture behind you. Is that your son? Um, <laughs> is that your son in front of that airplane
4: and behind you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. What a handsome <laughs> boy he is. Isn't he? That, uh, that mop of brown hair. That, I'm sure that's military spot. I know. I know. Wearing that uh, sleek and that elegant uh, Air Force flying suit. What an uh, amazing uh, creature. known as a goon suit. <laughs> uh, or an immersion suit. Yeah, that's, of
2: course, uh, Captain Nick when he was uh, a couple of years younger.
4: Just a few. Yes. Yeah.
0: Very nice. Very nice.
2: Interesting. All right. (sighs) Okay. Well, that was exciting. Okay. Nick, we are looking at the clock. It's getting late for you. I know you have uh, an early morning and some traveling to do. So uh, due to that, we're going to go ahead and and, uh, play... If I can finally get this thing to... Okay, here we go. We're going to do this. We're going to ask you to tell us what you've been doing since the last episode, and then you can leave us and go
4: to bed. That's uh, ever so kind of you. Um, thanks, Jeff. Uh, actually, uh, not a lot last week. Um so I'm gonna move on to what I'm doing tomorrow. Okay. Uh so that's the reason I put that picture in my background, is because uh tomorrow I am going to there we go, put it that way around. Uh speak um to the author of this book called The Nat Boys. Uh so Rick Peacock Edwards, uh <laughs> Finex QFI. And um, uh, he flew lightnings, uh, uh, phantoms, uh, obviously the NAT as well as the QFI, and uh, the air defense variant of the Tornado. So great career, uh, and ended up on, I think, Air Commodore. Uh, But this is uh, a book he co-wrote with uh, Tom Ellis, and um, we're going to talk about it uh, tomorrow, so that interview should be probably come out on pg uk i think since neville's doing the filming um anyway brilliant looking forward to uh, chatting about that and that was me uh, during my time uh, in fact i'll tell just a wee story about uh, rpe as he's more uh, commonly known in the royal air force he was a flying instructor at raf valley when i was on the nat and i had got through almost all my training um until I got to my final navigation test. So it's quite close to the end of the course. And uh, I failed it. Uh, came back you not good lost. enough. Kept getting lost. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, well, as you do. Yeah, it's
2: kind of important uh,
4: to know where you are. Yeah. yeah it's kind of a high-low, high profile. So you do a high-level transit, descend a low-level beetle around, uh, you know, the – Wales or the hills of uh, Scotland or wherever, and then climb back out and come home. The NAT didn't have a lot of gas, by the way, so uh, uh, it was one of those uh, exercises you had to be very careful of your fuel consumption. Anyway, um, I failed this test, and so I was allocated to a much more senior instructor, and uh, RPE was uh, in standard squadron at the time, uh, a squadron leader, I think, by then. And, uh, he kindly, uh, uh, took over my instruction and we, uh, he said, right, let's go and do an extra nav. And he, uh, checked on my, um, planning and said he was happy with that. And off we went and we descended in to low level and we we're beetling down. And, uh, when you get to a turning point, you know, we used to have, uh, some turning point checks to do. Uh, and uh, after you'd pulled this wee little gnat round the corner and uh, aircraft like this you don't just bank uh, and to turn because if you bank it'll just go in a straight line with its wing down you've got to pull hard to get it to turn uh, tightly around the corner so we'd pull a few g to go around the corner snap roll out and it was very sensitive and roll the gnat it was delightful onto your new heading and then you had to Go through some checks to make sure the clock was running correctly, uh, calculate the time error you had there and what speed now you're going to fly this leg at. Um, you had to double check your heading to make sure it was on and what, on the correct heading. And whilst you're doing that, you used to look down and check that the compass was dot crossing. Uh, the compass was uh, reading uh, from a magnetic detector in the wingtip. Uh, because that's a nice place away from most of the grinding metal uh, that allows the mag the uh, compass to work clear of the magnetic influence. Uh,
0: the flux gate, right? Yeah, yeah. And
4: uh, it would transmit its heading to the so uh, oh. the gyro in the cockpit where you're reading it. And uh, it, as as it was doing this, it would have a little indicator, and when it was reading correctly, this indicator would. Dot cross. In other words, one moment it would show a dot and then it would show a cross and then it would go dot cross, dot cross, indicating that it was nicely stabilized. If it was all dot or all cross, it was wrong and you would ma- m- mechanically set the heading. What I didn't know as a student without many hours on this airplane was that after a high G turn, it used to take a, a little while to settle down, perhaps. 30 seconds or a minute. I used to go straight into this uh, series of checks and I'd look down at the compass and go, Oh, it's not dot crossing. So uh, it's on dot. I'll, I'll give it a tweak. Uh, doing so, I would actually desynchronize the compass and set off on a heading, perhaps 20 or 30 degrees off from <laughs> where I was supposed to be going. Oops! And uh, within three or four minutes, when my next checkpoint up, I pick up a map and say, right now I've got to pass a, you a church with the spire, and i could be looking around <laughs> 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 <cult-seated> churches um, <laughs> so, you know not good anyway, uh, within a couple of turning uh, turning points of this, RP from the back said, "What the bloody hell are you doing with the compass?" And I went, oh, I'm just making sure it's doctor. Leave the damn thing alone. <laughs> and from then on, I never had any more problems with my low level navigation which was fantastic. So I th- f- flew 3 or 4 times with him and uh I, you know got through my final nav test without any problem at all. So um oh Jim's asking was the hawk much for- oh yes it was. uh for few reasons uh Jim the nat was a very complicated little aircraft because they had to squeeze a lot of it into a tiny space. Uh, for example, because of the enormous speed range uh, and the the tiny cockpit, um, the stick uh, had to be continually sort of the datum for the stick, particularly in the fore and aft movement. Uh, continually had to be redatumed uh, so that you could actually get full movement on it. Uh, and yeah. um, when full so, extension, yeah yeah they had this this really complicated system uh called the uh, hobson unit that would continually move the stick datum so that uh as far as you were concerned um the when the stick was held in the middle you were in trim uh but that had to continually move up and down and it, it understanding how that worked was really complicated and uh Cam K and uh, the Cubstown drill and all the things that Nat pilots used to have to learn. If you had an engine failure and lost the hydraulics, as you would, very quickly you had to go through quite a complex drill in order to make sure that the all-moving tailplane froze, as it would do, uh, at the an angle that would allow you to control the airplane with a very small elevator that was stuck on the back, which you had to physically unlock. If you let that tailplane, because it's such a big surface, uh, lock out of datum, then the aircraft would be uncontrollable. You know, you go into you because you wouldn't have enough elevator control from this little tab on the back that you used to unlock, and and various other anomalies. So uh, it and it so and it was complicated and used to go unserviceable a lot so when we got the hawk not only was its fuel consumption fantastic in comparison um it uh, was a lot more reliable and uh, much better for the instructor with a fantastic view from the rear seat that sort of thing so uh, yes it was a much improvement the hawk was only in service with the RAF for 16 years sorry the nat was only in service for 16 years which is Pretty short when you think about it. The hawk has been in service in air forces around the world. I don't know, forty-eight years now. I think. Uh, I mean, it's still flying yeah. with the U.S. Navy, and yeah, it's still the, flying the with the Australians. Right. Yep, uh, and it's proved to be an incredibly successful trainer. So uh, yeah, it's good. So what? What altitude anyway, were you
2: guys doing the uh, low levels?
4: Uh, with an instructor, 250 feet. Oh, oh wow. when we that's pretty low. we were so low, we were only supposed to go down to 500 feet. But, uh,
2: <laughs> yep. Okay. So, like, if you ever got into a situation where you were looking for that church steeple and you're going, I don't see anything. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever, like, pop up and then you, you get a little bit of altitude and it's amazing how, like, you can see so much. Like if you just get up yeah. like a thousand feet higher it, than you are, whatever.
4: It was a very natural thing to start creeping up. Yeah. But uh, you weren't supposed to because you were supposed to pick features with vertical extent. I know, but if you're so like that you completely lost,
2: I <laughs> just pop up and <laughs> yeah, go, oh, what... I can see everything. I know exactly where we are.
4: Yeah, exactly. You're quite
0: right. Oh, low radar. Radar? Go.
4: But uh, yeah. anyway, RP got me through my final nav test. So, uh, but that's the reason I ended up on Phantoms because they thought I needed a navigator. Wow. <laughs> you know what? Just, we don't trust this guy out
8: there by himself. He's going to exactly end up right. in, very like, clever of you, Iceland. Yeah. <laughs>
6: so, but it's
4: interesting—the that the Phantom Navigator never navigated. Uh, or very rarely, well, what he, 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 operated the air defense radar, <laughs> the big, great big radar in the front. Uh, the pilot did all the navigation because uh, the guy in the back's busy, busy looking at the big bowl of green soup that, uh, it was the radar display trying to spot enemy fighters. Hey, you know what?
0: In, in my book, you will always occupy the same seat Robin Olds, uh, occupied. So that's, 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 that's awesome.
4: oh yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, a bit smelly, that seat, but there you go. Yeah, I bet, yeah. yeah i bet. <laughs> really <laughs> joking. <laughs> yeah, I know. But an awful lot of guys uh, flew the Phantom, uh, and there are some real famous ones amongst them. To be, uh, you know, even uh, uh, qualified in the same airplane as Robin Hill's was, uh, you know, considered for me to be a, a great thing. Fabulous. There you go.
2: Well, main man Micah asks, had you not gone to the Phantom, what would you have flown?
4: Well, I, uh, I the aircraft available were the Harrier. Not much chance of getting onto that because you had to be a member of the Harrier Mafia to get onto that. Uh, the Jaguar. Secret handshake you know, any, and whatnot. Kind
8: yeah. of like, sorry, secret handshake and whatnot. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Yes, you needed to be a Mason. The, uh, <laughs> all, all the uh, all the idiots like Nige, uh Captain Nigel went onto the the Jaguar. Uh, so you know. sorry, Nigel. <laughs> there were uh, a few seats left on the it, old actually. lightning but uh you <laughs> Roll-copters. Roll-copters. hot air balloons i think actually kites yeah <Kikes>. <laughs> yeah, the lightning was an option, but the thing was falling apart and it was pretty useless. So uh, mm-hmm. no one really wanted to go onto that.
0: I think it did all right because I would have picked the fountain if I were you. That's oh, awesome absolutely. Yes. That's kick ass. Yeah, so I, I yeah
4: it was. It was, it was oh, a great yeah. airplane to end yeah. up on. Yeah. Such a great looking airplane.
2: End and and the Buccaneer was straight. still
4: around. So uh, yeah. that would have been perhaps fun uh, would, if you wanted to go bomb stuff. Well, Nick, I
2: think it's time for you to leave us not not don't take this personally but i know you need to get a good night's sleep because you're an I old did. man
4: that's exactly I right. exactly. I need now. to be up at six, and uh, <laughs> uh, I, I've got seven hours now before I'm having to get up. <laughs> ah, that's to get out nice. I hours. Five <laughs> hours. All the best, Lincoln. everybody. And have <laughs> a great Goodbye. show, Nick. Bye. Always great Bye. to right. have
2: you with us. Uh, great stories and uh, your expertise and wisdom and all that is uh, much appreciated. So,
4: thanks very much indeed. See you. See you next week. Yeah. Yep. Cheers, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Bye. 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 Bye, sir.
2: Bye. Yeah, we're gonna like dump him off so that he can go and sleep. Okay, now let's start the show. Okay. Now, let's talk about Nick. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's still listening. I know he is. Uh, so, so how, he's like,
8: Hey, nothing really happening in my life, but let me still, you know, catch you up for like there thirty are so minutes. Much, I mean
2: he goes, he does <laughs> all these things like all the, the form four fourteen and what we're on we're on volume eighteen, volume nineteen. Yeah, something like that. I'm thinking, there. gosh, I mean just so much experience that he's had, it's just so amazing to me.
0: Uh, I tell you, I keep telling him he should write a book and he just yeah. won't. But Yep. Should
2: What's absolutely. Nick
6: Camacho, been up to?
2: So, uh, Nick Camacho, how have you been, sir? Good, good. Anything uh, <laughs> done? How is <has> your? Uh, <laughs> so let's elaborate let a little right. bit. So uh, you're uh, flying every day of the month of October. Yep. that is. I know that we kind of, like, uh, kind
7: of like kind of got a little sidetracked there. How are you, how are we yep. doing with that? I think I only flew twice this week. So kind of fell off the wagon, but
8: yeah. Um, Was that because of aircraft problems, weather problems, like life interjecting Yeah. Yeah. I understand that.
7: That, Yeah. As usual. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it actually got really cold today. Um, so I think we're gonna have a couple of days of cold weather before we go back to our last few weeks of decent weather in the fall. Um, yeah. And then, uh, Really trying to get my folks' place wrapped up um, mm. by the end of the month. I don't think they're. I don't think the contractor is quite going to make it. But we've been doing a lot of stuff there. And
2: have they have uh, they been living there while all
7: this was going on? So they or? actually they've actually moved out. They okay. moved out for a month into a Airbnb, and I think that runs out at the end of this week. Uh. Um, when they were when the contractor was doing the like the ceilings and the stuff internal to the house, you know, there was not very much work. To do inside the house the majority of it was on the exterior so they, they did they've done all that for the past three months or so and then the last couple of weeks they've been doing replacing ceilings and, and doing the stuff on the inside of the house that needs to get repaired
2: so, so if if you're new to the apg uh what happened uh how long ago how long ago was that uh end of april end of april, april there yeah. was a <laughs> an amazing uh tornado that hit six months uh, the, um, well, the Wichita area, but exactly mm-hmm. the area where Nick's parents live, uh, they got really damaged or a lot of damage from that tornado. So, yep, um, yeah, so very fortunate that they, they weren't hurt in that. Yep. Yeah.
7: Indeed. Mm-hmm. So getting that wrapped up, still studying. We were talking before we started talking with Rick a little bit about trying to finish up studying for power plant written i got to get that out of the way and then really like to try to uh get the practical tests taken care of in the next couple of weeks but we'll see uh we'll see how everything falls out there cool
6: we're it's pulling stuff. for you
2: yeah. Nice. yeah we're pulling for you listen all right very good well, great to have you with us nick um and uh let's go to the person whose name rhymes with nick Rick. Steph? No. no. Well, almost.
8: <laughs> We're going to work on phonics. <laughs> Rick is a bright guy. That's yeah. like a
6: pilot. Steph. How are you doing, Steph? <laughs> I'm not sure
2: that really rhymes either. No, it doesn't. Uh, uh, sorry, i just got this in my mind. <laughs>
0: How Rick. I've been doing? Well, I've been doing good. Just got back uh, a couple of days ago from um, two and a half weeks of um, of uh, nonstop flying. It was nice. Got to go to. Uh, I stayed um,
6: nonstop. Wow. He where did I go?
0: I didn't go international. Yeah, I stayed domestic this whole time. Um, doing um, transcon stuff. Uh, you know, Rockford. Oh, beautiful Stockton! Uh, went down to <laughs> nice. Cincinnati and Portland, and uh, and oh, and I ended uh, I ended in um, I ended in Baltimore. That was nice. had um had a uh, a trip over to Baltimore, Crab. and they had me over there for the entire weekend. So that was nice. got to uh, Got to do some of the uh, interesting stuff that Baltimore has to offer, as far as museums and ships and um and Crab. um crabs Crabbs. and pints of Guinness. So that mm-hmm. was that was really nice. Um, as far what as the flying itself, as
8: your, as your time in, uh, North Carolina as well.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, that's right. I did do some passenger flying. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and faith though. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> that's, that's the reaction I was looking for there. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, yeah, I'll I'll fill you guys in on that. Um so the first thing I did a uh, uh I picked up an airplane off of a off of an A check and that was a flight to uh, Stockton. Um I think that was like the first or second flight uh on the on the rotation there. Um and this airplane came out of an A check, which is a it's a heavy check. Um it takes about 3 or 4 days to complete. Um and uh as as you know, as someone that, you know, used to do these 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 A checks, um you know you, you're very um you, you try to be as methodical and uh, and you know attention to detail oriented as you possibly can because you know in the end of the day um that's that's kind of what you want right uh, but you know some things kind of slip through the cracks here and there and um um got on the airplane uh we were you know we were pushed back everything was on time everything was fine and um proceeded to do the takeoff there and uh, the 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 airplane was just you know, it just it wasn't accelerating the way it it, it should and the engines didn't sound right. So I had to reject the takeoff, come back around, figure out what was going on, park the airplane. And then it turns out that uh, there was an issue with the um, the EECs, the electronic engine controls. Um, uh, The the EECs basically thought that the engines were still in reverse thrust. And so as such, um, the uh, maximum amount of thrust available from each engine Uh, it was not going to be enough to get the airplane off the ground. And so I used my famous 80 and 20, which basically means that, uh, in, um, in 20 seconds, you should get to, uh, 80 knots, uh, no later than, you know, 20 seconds. And so that's, that's basically how you gauge proper acceleration. And so, uh, it, you know, that didn't work out. So I had to, you know, reject the takeoff, come back around, figure out what's going on. Uh, they did a full, uh, power engine, um, run, trying to figure out what was going on with that, they fixed that problem, but uh right before we got on the airplane and uh, pushed back, they had a an issue with uh with a hydraulic leak in uh, one of the struts, and they couldn't figure out whether it was a hydraulic uh system leak or uh, an oleostrut strut olio strut leak uh, and so uh, in the meantime, our duty clock kept going so uh, in the interest of operational continuity um, um, they got us another jet, loaded everything changed to everything from the airplane that was loaded to the spare jet. Um, and we departed almost six hours late. Um, but we made it, it was fine. And then on, after that, um, I did, uh, a a passenger flight, which I always I always enjoy doing because you get to, um, it's nice to fly passengers every once in a while. Um, to kind of like every other time
7: you're up. on the show, you say, I love flying boxes. <laughs> passengers, But it's but but, it,
0: but it's but it's interesting, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of
7: just to mix it up. It's, it remind, it it's up interesting in bit. the
8: sense it reminds me of it reminds why he doesn't why do he it. it exactly.
0: <laughs> it, it, it reminds me why I like flying boxes so much. <laughs> you have to think about, you know, the, the, the double ding at 10,000 feet and the entire, you know, the, you know, you know, cabin crew be seated for takeoff and that whole thing uh it 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 takes you from from um it's because it's funny because there's there's certain items in the checklist that you kind of just gloss over as far as passenger operations are concerned because you don't fly passengers that much but you know this time around you can you kind of catch yourself like oh passenger signs it's not na it's they actually have to be oh yeah all right so passenger signs are on so stuff like that right so it keeps you it keeps you kind of sharp so it was it was good we did a um I f we ferried the aircraft uh empty from Houston to Colorado Springs. And this flight was really interesting because it was my first officer's first ever uh revenue flight off of instruction. So it was the first time he flew the 767 um you know as a line pilot. Uh and that was that was nice. It was he was really excited. He did he did a great job. Um, you know, I uh, uh, it was obviously the first time he was going to fly into into a, a hot and high airport, right? um, and so I told him, you know, you just make sure you keep the aircraft in a short leash, and you know, think about density, altitude, and temperature, and just anticipate the inertia and configure properly, and all that stuff. And you did a great job. And then the following day, we flew from Colorado Springs to uh, Fort Bragg in North Carolina with a plane full of um, our finest. Uh, and they were on their way to Germany the following day. And so, uh, got to Fayetteville <laughs> aye, aye, aye. and then, um, uh, took a, I
8: mean, it's just smallish town <laughs> North Carolina, <It's>, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay it was <laughs> fine oh you know what though i mean to, to, it, they, they actually had so they put us at this uh what was it? A courtyard marriott which i thought it was fine the gym was nice it was mm-hmm. you know, that's really all that matters uh and they had a nice uh, brew right next to the airport uh, right next to the uh hotel so that's a nice a selection matters. of beers and, mm-hmm. exactly so you know you, you know, go 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 have a good workout and sweat it out a little bit and then go earn your dinner and your beers so that's what i did <laughs> and then the following day um uh, took a commercial flight uh, through Charlotte with a very very short connection time. Um, I didn't even have time to get myself a a uh, what's that beer I like, Steffi over there? Oh, the just uh,
8: that we could eat or which one? Yes, uh, the,
0: the like the um, like the tangy one.
8: Oh, uh, there's a different one that you uh i'd have to look it's, back through my it's like
0: a watermelon one that's really good yeah
8: it's watermelon sour i think also for well, the
0: sour, exactly yeah. that one that one i didn't even have time for that the so I to, name I, yeah i no time run. for a boot shine either probably no Dang. i'd like so my boots are still unshined ah uh, so i know <laughs> but um had to make it to the uh to the other end of the airport because because chad um, um C- uh, CRJs, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> inside joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, regional <laughs> Regional Jets park on on uh, on Concourse E and the E gates. Right, you have to go mm-hmm. all the way across on um, the other side of the airport to the A or B gates. Where my plan was, and then I ended up. um in um in baltimore which was nice so that's where i had my three-day weekend in in baltimore i had i got to uh tour the uh, uss constitution which is a an old ship that's right there in baltimore harbor i had i'd done it during the daytime but i took the ghost tour uh this time because it was you know it's halloween and all that stuff and uh and i haven't told you guys about the ghost i saw in cincinnati did i no
8: I've heard the
0: story, but yeah, 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 yeah. I actually saw the lady in green in the hotel in the uh, Hilton Netherland Plaza in Cincinnati, and I took a picture of her. Oh. Um, that yeah, that was uh, that was really interesting. And this is uh, this it's is something, list. yeah, this is something that I've been uh, pursuing for a couple of years now. But uh, more on that, more on that later.
2: Yeah, you have um, to give us the uh, picture yeah, so we can yeah. show it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. For Halloween so, Yeah, other than that, uh, it was good. Got. Uh, Flew Baltimore to uh, Las Vegas. Oh, and here's the other thing. So, I'm not crazy. <laughs> this, the approach into 2-6 wow. left, it is steep. And on the chart, I missed it. It says um, the VGSI, the visual glide slope indicator, does not coincide with the glide slope. And threshold crossing height is 84 feet. Usually, you cross a threshold at 50.
8: Yeah.
0: Uh, hmm. So, I... I wasn't wrong. You weren't.
8: You weren't losing your mind. Your, your senses mind. were not failing you. Oh, it was
6: correct.
0: So well. uh, there's that.
8: Jeff, Micah is correct.
0: Oh, Micah go.
2: says USS Constellation, the USS Constitution, Old Ironsides, is in Boston.
0: Yep. It was, no, you're right. The USS Constellation is in in Baltimore. The USS Const- Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I, I, it was the USS Constellation, Micah. That's, that's don't it. be
2: so darn persnickety
0: persnickety micah <laughs> no no that's good thank you micah thank you thank you because it's uh, <laughs> i gotta get the name right here it starts with a keep
2: C, so it's pretty close it's a ship
0: starts start with a C, ends with an n right yeah. <laughs> yeah close enough no but it was great it was it was a it was a great tour it, we had a uh, it was almost uh, almost an hour and a half long uh, with these two very very knowledgeable um um girls that uh, gave us a tour from you know the from front to back from the top uh, deck to the bottom deck and uh, and it was all in the dark and it was it was it was great it was a great experience front to
6: back.
2: It sounds like a great right. thing to me
6: tour it was tour quote yeah. unquote
2: yeah all right. Okay. Uh, Steph, have you had any tours like that lately? <laughs> not <laughs> recently. What? Sorry. I haven't either.
0: Well, you're just not enjoying your layovers, Jeff. Come I know. on. I'm not. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not. You about that.
8: No, I am okay. not. I, um, I, I did do a lot of flying this weekend though. Yeah. So that was good. Um, October is always kind of, uh, just a really nice, uh, month in this neck of the woods, um, for weather, mm. for flying skydiving operations, whatnot. Um, uh, same as what Nick Camacho was saying, it got cold here yesterday and today. So I'm glad I'm not, uh, flying around with a door open today and tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it'd be chilly. It was chilly a bit in the morning, um, Saturday and Sunday, but I mean, just clear blue skies, not a cloud in the sky, Um, light variable winds, although a little bit um, on the stronger side, kind of through like 1,000 to 3,000 feet AGL, which is um, interesting for when you're under canopy at that altitude because you tend to get pushed more than you expect in different directions. So um those good learning points for some of our, our students teaching them about holding areas and flying patterns and whatnot and how to how to manage that when the winds change uh speed and direction at different altitudes. Um but the flying was really nice. Man, we went nonstop um from the time we started Saturday morning, like at 8 30 until about four 30 in the afternoon before we took a break i think for the first time Uh, yeah I, i did get out of the airplane once so we we fuel every five loads of the first fuel um i did jump out and use the little pilot's room um and then got back in and did not get out for the next 16 i think um but, I yeah food and and you know, if I need to get out, it's it's not a problem. There's ways to manage and do that. Um, we have other people who are rated for the aircraft who are happy to jump in, especially at fuel stops and and hold the brakes and whatnot. Um, Saturday or Sunday was kind of a carbon copy day of that. I think we do, yeah. Kind of the same thing, like nine thirty in the morning until four o'clock in the afternoon. Got to jump in both days at the end of the day, so that was nice. Um, nice, nice. Got someone else to take over flying for a little while.
0: I was going to uh, say it was just like who landed the airplane?
8: <laughs> Autopilot. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very fancy caravan. It's got that. Uh, uh, yeah. No, it's not. It's definitely not. Definitely needs a lot of <laughs> um, control input on the, uh, the input. landings. There. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I was thinking a lot about because you had mentioned that. Um, you know the the issue with the, that you'd had Rick with the um, chip being sluggish and the 80 knots in 20 seconds. And I was like, man, if it ever takes 20 seconds to get to 80 knots, we've got a couple of problems. One, if I'm still on the ground, that's a problem because (laughs) we rotate at 70 Mm. and two, it should definitely take nowhere near that amount of time. But I was thinking, you know, I really should actually maybe set a stopwatch every time and figure out what it actually is. Um, cause it should be consistent. It should be the same almost mm-hmm. every time, or at least under a certain threshold. So I'll probably start looking at that as well.
7: Yeah. We were talking, we were talking about that last week. Like how long, you know, for my, and I obviously I'm not an airline pilot, but, uh, to be sitting on the runway for 20 seconds.
8: That's an eternity. It's just like
7: mind blowing oh. to me. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, but it doesn't g- seem that long in, in my world. It's oh like, my gosh, it happens really it quickly. Forever. <laughs> but I've been doing the stopwatch thing, and um, about 17, 18 seconds for reduced thrust takeoffs. This seems to be, if I'm hitting it at the right time, it was like asking Rick, okay, when am I supposed to hit start the stopwatch for this thing? But uh, it seems like about 17, 18 to 20. And you're doing it just as soon as
8: you'd select um, takeoff
2: thrust? Yeah. Whatever it is? Right. And and, and I've been kind of waiting until it's kind of close to – that takeoff thrust setting to start the timing because I think there
7: there is a similar rule or a similar rule of thumb for GA pilots or I mean, GA airplanes that uh, I've had some people use in the past. That's 70% of your takeoff speed at 50% of the runway usage.
6: Mm
7: -hmm. I I've only used that a couple of times, but sounds complicated. yeah. Well, I mean you, you just have to math, pay you yeah, gotta, just you know, be paying attention to where you are. The on the runway and, and, and,
8: yeah. yeah. Uh, who wants to look out, who wants to look outside the window? Jeez. Gosh, <laughs> flying are taking off. Um <laughs> I'm being completely facetious, by the way, yes. for anyone listening. Um
2: Any interesting th- uh, passengers th- jumping out of airplanes? Uh
8: or? yeah. My thank you for reminding me. My yeah. my dad came down and did a, a tandem jump on Saturday, or Sunday, sorry. Um, Sunday was a very nice day. It was like 80 degrees. So, of course, he waited until the very middle of the day to come out when it was nice and warm, which now I don't blame smart. him for. He's a smart guy. Yeah. Um, very practical. Um, I think that was his fourth tandem. He said it was the best one yet, but mm. makes sense. You know, the more um, you do, I mean, the first one's kind of just this, um, just a rush of a lot of things going on. It seems to go by really fast and it's like, well, what just what just happened there? And then everyone after that, you kind of learn to take more things in as it's happening. You know, so I think he really enjoyed it. Um, gosh, there was something else I was going to mention, I think, about the weekend, but I don't remember what
2: it was. Well, if you think of it, um, just uh, – Oh, oh, I know what yeah. it was.
8: <laughs> I do know what it was. Um, did not do any running this weekend, but man, I'll tell you what. Do would probably not recommend for three weekends in a row doing a marathon one weekend, a marathon the next weekend, and then doing nothing but sitting in an airplane for a weekend. Getting out of the airplane – both Saturday and Sunday at the end of the day was not the most pleasant. My legs were protesting a
2: little bit. Mm. So, yeah. Did you like collapse onto the ground outside of the airplane?
8: Fortunately, no. Okay. But yeah, it, it felt like if I hadn't been paying attention, that might have been a possibility.
2: Okay. <laughs> they
8: were a little tight. Everything was just tight, you yeah. know, sitting and not stretching and moving around.
2: You're feeling better much. now? Yeah, I feel great. Good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, all good. All right.
8: And I really wasn't feeling bad before that. It just kind of, you know, subtle reminders that, hey, you're not that like you're 20 human. years old anymore. And um, you should probably stretch more often.
2: Well, we we're always wondering if you're really a human or a robot. So nah, it's yeah. always good to hear that you're a human.
8: <laughs> what you've been doing, well, yeah. Jeff? So it's what been a nice I weekend. And, and, oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no. I, Liz was asking me what I was doing, but go ahead and finish up stuff.
8: I was, I was gonna say actually, I'm actually not on the schedule for flying the next two weekends, but I'll probably manage to get myself in the air somehow both weekends. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm not nice surprised. weather coming up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's it.
2: Cool. All right, and uh, and me. Let's see. Just did a three day trip, and I uh, from uh, the second day of the trip, going from Atlanta to Chattanooga. Actually, we were in Springfield, um, Missouri, and uh, Brent said to me, uh, "Jeff, do you want me to, like, you know, break the news to you?" And I said, "What?" He goes, uh, "It looks like you're going to get a line check from Atlanta to Chattanooga to, uh, today." And I went, "Oh, oh, okay. Well, you know, I knew I was in the, I was in the envelope or the window for that. So, uh, yeah, got a line check from, and I think it's my last line check." ever as Aww. a as an airline pilot which is now liz is going oh no i'm happy about that <laughs> I know being in the last line check uh ever is a is a nice
7: thing and that, uh, that's be that's because of your age right that's not just because you're gonna f- quit in frustration the next time i check i don't know it could up. be either of those <laughs> no
2: yeah my it's age like i've Nadia, had
8: it yeah. enough yeah.
2: So uh, I'm uh, not quite 64 yet, 63 and almost 64 years old. Um, I can go all the way till December of next year, probably won't. But um, anyway, so uh, I was on the in the window for that and uh guy jumped on, hopped on and uh, gave us a line check. Now, you know, you would think that uh, that would be easy peasy on a, a short flight, but actually, it's a little bit more difficult than a longer flight because everything is like spread out and and not so compressed and, and hectic when you've uh, fly the longer flights. Uh, when you do a very short hop, like a 25-minute flight, and 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 that happens to be the kind of flight that I did for my FAA checkout as a captain back on the 727 years and years ago. Uh, it was an Atlanta-Birmingham flight, and man, that was uh, pretty stressful. But anyway— Nerve wracking. Um, we did the Chattanooga thing and uh, it went really well. And I think that uh, we impressed our uh, line check airmen. Uh, Brent was my first officer. And then uh, we ended up meeting up with Chattanooga Tim, who has sent in uh, lots of feedback for us over the years. And he was also uh, one of those people that were on my last, well, sort of last turn on the. Uh, on the uh, MD 88 uh, up to Philadelphia and back from Atlanta to Philly. And uh, he was, he, he joined, uh, he actually went from Atlanta to Philly and then Philly to Atlanta. And that was that, that experience where I didn't know that a bunch of people like Steph and, and a bunch of other wonderful people in our community uh, showed up in. Uh, you didn't
8: know there were going to be dinosaurs? Greeting no, I didn't know there were going to be dinosaurs
2: waiting in the gate area at Philadelphia. <laughs> it was kind of weird, uh, but uh, it was a, a lot of fun. So uh, uh, Chattanooga Tim was part of that. And he uh, mentioned that he, you know, he saw that we were going to be in or I was going to be in uh, Chattanooga uh, this week and then last week. And he wasn't available last week. And he said, Hey, you know, if you're interested, let's uh, get together. And I thought, Yeah, let's do that. So he picked up uh, Brent and I from our hotel in Chattanooga and took us over to a restaurant, a uh, local restaurant. And we had a great time. And I have some.
6: I see oysters.
2: Uh, yep, oysters for sure, Liz. You're right. And uh, here, we're going to um, waste it, if you ask me. Um, boathouse uh, audio. Here we go. Hey, it's Tuesday, so it must be Chattanooga. No, yeah, it's Chattanooga, so it must be Tuesday, and it is. Uh, First officer Brett and I are here uh, again on uh, basically the identical trip that we flew last week, but this week is uh, is different because uh, one of our APG community members. Think,
3: not, the video is not. You don't have to smile. <laughs>
2: well, it's not video, thankfully. Uh, uh, Chattanooga Tim uh, contacted me and said, Hey, uh, I see you're going to be in Chattanooga. And uh, if you want to get together the second time you're here, uh, I'm I'm available to to be your taxi. So he uh, picked us up in a really nice, brand-new, gray uh, Ford Bronco. uh, Very, very nice. And uh, drove us over here to the Tennessee River at uh, the Boathouse. And, uh, by the way, uh, Brent and I went to a restaurant last time we were here, uh, last week, last Tuesday, owned by the same people, uh, but it's called uh, Sugar's Ribs, and yeah, that was pretty good, too. Anyway, uh, so, Chattanooga Tim, uh, thank you for extending an invitation to take us to a nice place like this, and uh, why don't you say hello to the community. What's going on, gang? Just uh, Chattanooga Tim here saying uh, hello. That's all. A man of Not many way words. too few words. Uh, anyway, we're having a great time here. To Brent, you want to say? just say hi?
1: Well, hello, everyone. We are uh, venturing away from our barbecue today at this uh,
4: boathouse restaurant, so I'm going to try something very exquisite seafood of catfish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a delicacy here in, uh, in the south.
0: Right out of
3: the Tennessee River here, probably. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Right. In fact, I see it. Why right over there? They're pulling it out right now. It's fresh.
0: <laughs> no doubt. No doubt.
2: <laughs> so everybody knows you, Brent. You probably know this, this is my favorite first officer. And uh, so, so tell tell everybody why why are you my favorite first officer? I I, I really don't know. Well,
0: that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
2: I don't really know the answer to it either. I'm just kind of interested to hear what Brent's is going to say.
0: Uh, after all these years, we're still flying together. I guess I don't know.
2: <laughs> hey, now that that's uh, that's doesn't, a good that's part, a good
0: reason. Doesn't part in the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> this makes six weeks in a row, and we still we hadn't gotten into a fight yet. So yeah,
2: yeah, just like we're an old married couple that uh, never fights.
4: And we survived the uh, line check today. So oh, yeah.
2: how about that? Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I I was telling Brent that I'm in the in the window for uh, line check. And uh, so Brent, uh, so this morning out of uh, Springfield, Brent looks over at me and goes, oh, you want me to break the news, the bad news or the news about the Chattanooga flight? And I went, uh, no, are you kidding me? Is it my line check? And he goes, yeah. It actually worked out really well. Nice short flight, very busy flight from Atlanta to Chattanooga. And uh, it was a little interesting. Uh, we, we were getting, uh, we were cleared the visual approach. And so I was kind of pointing the airplane up toward the airport and then all of a sudden we got this traffic alert from the controller. It wasn't, we didn't get any kind of alert on the, our TCAS system. But, uh, so we got, um, a vector around the traffic. It, w- it was kind of, kind of hectic there toward the, toward the end, but we handled it as true professionals do. Right, Brent? Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. And we watered his eyes, uh, the uh, line check airman although because he was crying because it was so bad I guess <laughs> yep um, put me on the spot here yeah what else to say uh, nothing else so uh, we're uh, we've already ordered and uh, we're waiting for our food here um, I have some uh, oysters Rockefeller coming over and some uh, wood wood grilled uh, green beans and uh, Tim what did you go for
3: Um. Uh Havana Pork Barbecue. There we go. brisket,
2: Something. I don't know. Anyway, we're looking forward to it. So that's it from the boathouse on the Tennessee River in beautiful Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, back to you all in the studio.
3: Hey, Jeff. Chattanooga Tim here. Thinking back about going out to eat yesterday with your first officer and I, you referred to him at least three or four times as your favorite first officer. And he never... Said anything like reciprocal and always was looking visibly uncomfortable.
2: Huh. Hmm. You know, that's a good point, Tim. Um, Maybe I should explore this further.
8: (laughs) I thought you were. So when you asked Brent the question, I thought you were going to ask him why you were his favorite captain. Mm -hmm. But you didn't. No. You asked him why.
2: Yeah, that's, I shouldn't have. But I, I, didn't, I didn't want to hear the the
0: answer. I, apparently, no. No,
8: the, the disappointing reality. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: well, it's, it's better than what what uh, someone said to me this last trip. And someone said to me, "I'm, I'm a bit of a hard ass, but they enjoy my style of command." So I don't. I didn't know how to uh, didn't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: not sure how I'd take that either. Yeah.
0: Uh, you hard ass. Uh, Although,
2: look yeah, at him. I'm not. Yeah, I'm obviously, not. he's a hard ass. Um, So uh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we go to the cover art, Liz, is that I am going to go to uh, fly to San Antonio tomorrow and uh, meet up with uh, dispatcher Tom Dugan. And we're going to drive up to Fredericksburg, Texas. And then on Friday, we're going to be Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we're going to be in Austin at the... Uh, circuit of the Americas, uh, where the uh, U.S. Grand Prix is in Austin, Texas, uh, Formula One. And that's the first Formula One race that I've ever attended. So I'm looking forward to that.
8: Ah. Nice. Take lots Exciting. of
2: pictures. Yeah, I'm going to try to remember to take a bunch of pictures and maybe do some audio, maybe some crew logs. I don't meow. know. We'll see. Meow. Yeah, I meow. need to remember to bring some uh, earplugs as well.
6: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's, um, you know what I have to do? I'm sorry. I have to take a physiological break (laughs) (laughs) because I cannot go any further. So, because I'm starting to see yellow in my, I thought
8: Rick was going to bring another beer (laughs) for me, but that hasn't happened. So I need to go replenish my, come
0: on Steffi. Let's go again. All right. So I'll be right back.
8: (laughs) I'll be right back to you. Yeah, me too. Uh
0: Uh-oh. Yeah. You you know what? That, that putting the thing on the thing, um, it, it makes a lot of sense because on the, um, on the seven eight type rating um, and flying the seven eight itself, it's the easiest airplane to land because. So we are used to flight directors being either a V bar or or crosshairs, right? But mm-hmm. uh, in the HUD, depending on the HUD that you're that you're um, using, but on the on the seven eight seven HUD, the flight director is just two concentric circles where you put the smaller circle inside the larger circle, um, and that's really you're putting the thing in the thing, and all all you really do is you put. The smaller consen- the, the smaller concentric circle inside the bigger concentric circle, which is going to put and you're going to put that one on top of your uh, touchdown zone and just basically hold it there mm-hmm. all the way down till the airplane says fifty. Oh, it's a thing
6: on the thing on the thing. And you're going to put
0: the small little circle at the end of the runway and use that to flare. And it's it's impossible to have a hard line on one of those because it's you're you're just basically using. You know those visual cues to roll them on every time. So, I mean, that's put the thing on the thing.
7: Yeah. Essentially, the the key to aviation. Putting you the, thing, uh, on the putting thing. thing on the thing. You say that's impossible, exactly. Rick, but last week we had a story about a pilot who uh, did not know what the proper brake pressure was, and uh, well, let the airplane roll on the <laughs> runway because he didn't understand how the brakes worked.
2: <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's true. Not good. Yeah, Very if he'd only put the
7: thing on the thing, he would have been he okay. Have yeah. yeah, like his foot on the brake. So I think we could always find horrible, stupid ways to <laughs> bend airplanes. <laughs>
2: and we, by the way, we just want to make a point: we never do anything like that. Anything never wrong? Anything? Yeah. Stupid we always wrong. do see, aeropl- that's
0: why purposeful. that's why manufacturers try to pilot-proof airplanes as much as possible. Yes. So, um yeah. Well,
8: when they finally succeed for good, we'll give them a gold star or something.
0: There see. you go. Yes. I'll drink to that. Absolutely.
2: Coffee fund. All right. Coffee fund. It's that time of the show where we talk about our wonderful people that we love love so much. I love coffee. I love tea. I love love the APG community. community. Coffee Coffee and tea and and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. (laughs) I love it when you go to that lower register, Liz. Do yeah. you? Yeah. It's great. Anyway, the Coffee Fund, that's a, uh, the wonderful group of folks that, uh, that support our show in a financial way. And uh, if you're interested in doing that, we have a couple of different ways to do it. Uh, one is called the Coffee Fund Classic Method, and uh, that's using PayPal, basically. And normally, for, that's the, uh, the method that you would use to do like a one-off or two-off or whatever. Uh, but we do have folks that do recurrent contributions using that method as well and we also have uh patreon uh, you can become a patron of the show patreon.com airline pilot guy or you can pledge a certain no, just amount to
6: show this little dog
2: oh uh, just a minute um, okay. uh, to uh, for each show and then you can specify like a max per month and that kind of thing so uh, we have a lot of folks that do that as well and we love all you thank you so much for Taking the uh, opportunity to uh, use some of your treasure to uh, support our show financially. Now, I need to say, last since the last show, we have had well, no, no new patrons or no contributions. So let's go ahead. It's the sad puppy face. We're we're not sad. The
6: angry puppy. The sad. Puppy. No, it's not
2: angry at all. It's a sad puppy, and I'm hoping that that will somehow. Touch your heart.
8: <laughs> he looks kind of lonely, for yeah. neglected.
2: He's going, Wow. Yeah. Um, mm. we didn't Nobody have any we, any we didn't have any contributions or any Attention patients. Attention and affection. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to do that to you, but you know, but we had to. Uh anyway. So no, no, actually it's not a big deal. We have lots of people that support our show, um, very um uh, generously and um you know, continuously. And that's not the word I was looking for, but something like that. There's a word. Faithfully. Faithfully. That's good. Mm. I like that one. Consistently. Consistently. Yeah. Do
5: you want to thank people for sending feedback? I do want to
2: thank people for, you know, so that there are many ways to support us here at the airline pilot guy, Uh, just consuming our show by, by downloading it or watching the video, whatever is supporting us Uh, by telling other people about our show I mean, if you can stand it and you're not too embarrassed, uh, you can, you can tell them about our show. You can
6: stay awake long
2: enough. Um, and we also have a, (laughs) thanks Liz. She goes, and you can stay awake long enough. (laughs) Um, but we also have people who, uh, consistently support us by sending us Mm -hmm. in feedback and links to news items and that kind of thing. And so we, we really appreciate all those people as well. So, so many ways to support us here at the airline pilot guy show, and we hope that we're supporting you as well. So it's kind of a, it's a, you know,
0: it's a win-win situation for all of us. So I'll tell you one thing, when I was a kid growing up, you know, just dreaming about doing this for a living one day. I so wish that there'd been something Podcasting? like this that, or <laughs> someone I could talk to just to, you know, yeah. just to ask questions and, uh, and, uh, and this and this, and it wouldn't make a, it wouldn't be a huge difference. Um, and so, you know, this is, what does love like you said, mean, Captain Jeff? Jeff, it's, um, it's about giving back a little bit and, um, yeah, makes all the difference.
2: It really does. I know it sounds, it sounds cliche corny. and all that kind of stuff and corny, but, it's true, <laughs> it really is true. And well, I, to Rick,
8: I, and to Rick's point, I was kind of that person. I mean, I had yeah. already started flying, but I wasn't nearly done with ratings and things when I started listening to various aviation podcasts, including yours.
2: Yeah, one. sorry, Steph.
8: I know that's the words got me. <laughs>
2: yeah.
8: it's a slippery road a sad, sad. Situation. Yeah, <laughs> very slippery
2: yeah, slope. Exactly. Yeah, but so Steph, you know, contacted me and said, "Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, like getting into flying and." getting these ratings. And uh, I hear you talk about beer and uh, it hey,
8: was really mostly about beer for me, mostly yeah, beer. <laughs> beer,
2: which is, which is wonderful because I really think that this is a high priority thing for me as well. And uh, she said, yeah, i like, you know, if you're, if you're in the Charlotte area, I can show you what North Carolina has to offer as far as beers. And she was right Man, North Carolina, man, really, Even really knows,
0: knows how to do <laughs> it. Fayetteville. Yeah, and here soon, Steph's going to have the hours to maybe fly a 767 or who knows. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah she's that, racking so. up those hours.
8: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway.
8: <laughs> okay. Rick's going to do my it'll be personal training on the
0: 767. One. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll get checked out as a line check. I've already, I've already had lesson
8: number one, I think, about something about the gear and a walk around it. There Air you Gordon. go. It's I small,
0: have to warn you though,
8: airport Steph. The DC area. Yeah. Rick is a, is a hard ass. I heard he's a hard ass. Yeah. So we'll
2: yeah. be careful.
0: But I have. But apparently, I have a good, good. I don't know. A good, uh, good. What, what did he say? I just, I, I didn't know how to take it. Really, I was like, I was like, thank you. <laughs>
2: you have a, you have a wonderful bedside manner, though. Mm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's
2: uh, start with. Uh, oh, I need to hit the little feedback thing bumper. bumper. Here we go. Yeah.
3: Captain, incoming message.
2: All right, this is the first item in our feedback from Adam. I've just stumbled across this short clip of a passenger airdropping a photo to other people on their flight. And it made me think of the recent piece he did on the pilot getting annoyed and threatening to return to the gate for passenger airdropping images to his iPad. Yeah, it was a Southwest <laughs> captain that was not very happy about the airdropping thing.
6: Uh, no
2: and, and, apparently didn't understand what, what all that was about. Anyway, Gotta turn it off. Yeah. Uh, this would perhaps be an excellent way for the pilot to get revenge. Thought you might like to keep it for you or your crews ever experienced this, or if you ever experience this and fancy a little revenge. Uh, either way, it's definitely witty. Okay. So Adam sent this, uh, link to an Instagram video and let's play it now.
9: They do want
2: to those matters i expected to be one switch plus minutes. I
9: make sure that you're having a drive safely. I don't the airway, but
2: you should A bunch of people on the airplane. And it's a picture of uh the first officer who has uh poked himself out of his his window while the airplane is in flight, uh, supposedly. And he's taking a uh, selfie.
0: No, it's real. Look, his tie's flying in the air. So it must be real. Oh,
7: I oh, see. to be. I, I was going to say I didn't want to be a naysayer, but I feel like the fact that his tie isn't all the way back makes this yeah. a little suspicious. I'm not sure.
6: <laughs> but a little suspicious.
7: Well, yeah, I mean, there's may, really not, you, not. There's, there's less
8: breeze than you'd think. <laughs> it's kind of a weird
2: uh-huh. physics his thing.
6: Still that pretty
8: happens neat too,
2: and it there, doesn't blow his sunglasses off or anything, yeah. Yeah. Or, but, or, his yeah. Yeah, or his hair. No, or his hair. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. True. Exactly.
0: yeah. No, that's a helmet he's wearing. Actually, <laughs> I don't know how many of you have uh, ever
8: poked your head out of the uh, open. Uh, oh, we do that all the time. Window of an airplane.
2: All the time. I know you have many times. Many times. I've never done that. Actually, I should try it sometime. Okay. Maybe. Probably not. Love it. Okay. Well, anyway, so uh, thank you very much, um, Adam, for that. We'll keep that in mind if we ever want to uh, have revenge on those people airdropping us naked pictures. But, you know, it all depends <laughs> on you keep really hoping. the quality of the <laughs> the pictures. So, you know, go ahead. <laughs> I'm giving you <laughs> <laughs> Give me the, the, I'm going to
8: send all of you a, a picture right now <laughs> Uh-oh. that you can use to airdrop to people oh, if I can find it. Steph, It'll take me forever to Steph, find it. What, what? Keep going. Keep going. That's, uh, that's, you no, shouldn't no. do that.
2: That's I this is kind of embarrassing.
8: I, I have to scroll way back to find it though. So it's okay. Keep going. Oh, I found it. Oh, did you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. This makes for great podcasting right now. It does. So. <laughs> can't really airdrop because you're kind of too far away at the moment. So I had to. Use oh,
2: wait, I see something chasing. here <laughs> coming in from. Uh... <laughs> I missed something. Did you diss me in some way? I
8: received this as an airdrop on an airplane one time. I accepted it. not knowing it's, what it was, but it's so perfect. It's Jebediah.
2: So she <laughs> yeah.
0: well, I...
8: would prefer that you send pictures of you clothed. <sighs> <laughs> okay. So
2: uh, let me uh, open with preview and share this. So everybody, Oh, you're showing. Thank you, uh, Nick. Go ahead and put, pop that back up. I'm, I'm low tech, a lot right easier there. than what I was trying Got to do. Send yeah. Okay.
8: Clothes. Clothed. That's <laughs> send
2: clothed. Clothes. <laughs> <laughs>
8: okay. That's
0: good. I, I like it. I, I have
8: sent it. that to people, airdropped just to random people. <laughs> sometimes it gets a reaction. Sometimes it does not. Sometimes yeah. I think people are confused, but just it makes weird. me laugh. What can I
2: say? Atilio. Okay, Atilio. let's go to item four. Attilio. Uh says, Hi team, not sure if you've seen this one. Sounds like a repeat incident. And he sends us a link to simpleflying.com. It's a um, British Airways uh Airbus A three twenty flying from Bari, Italy to London, Gatwick. Barry. Huh? Barry. Barry, excuse Barry. me. Barry. Barry. Bari. Body. Bari. Body. Body. That's what I like. Body. yeah um, uh.
0: Actually, I've got a... Oh, hi,
2: Lucille. Oh, good Hi. <laughs> Call me Lucille now. Oh, look at that dog. Oh, a couple of oh, uh, beautiful little dogs there. there. We have Lucille and who? Uh,
0: that's Lucy and this is Chance over here. Uh, hijacking Chance. the show. And she, I, I had both doors closed, so she, she opens doors now. Ah. And when she goes to bed at night, she closes the door to her bed because she's got her own bedroom now. Ah. So, uh, yeah, she's... Uh, She's, uh, what, uh, almost two years old, which makes her 14. So she's in the terrible teens, apparently. Ah, those so. teens. All right, hang on. Let me go put these guys okay. away here, because otherwise they're going to make it possible. <laughs> gotcha. They'll <laughs> so just gotcha.
8: keep re-entering the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: anyway, uh, flying from Bari uh, to London, Gatwick performed a go-around after detecting a nose gear steering malfunction while on approach. Uh, the incident occurred aboard an Airbus A32200 operated by BA, a registration blah, 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 which was performing 2829 from Bari to London. Data from Flight Radar 24 indicates that the aircraft had an uneventful takeoff from Bari. Uh, nine minutes later, the Uh, than the scheduled departure of 1400. Who cares? After a little over two hours of smooth flying towards London, the aircraft initiated its final approach to Gatwick's Runway 8 right. According to the Aviation Herald, the jet was descending through about 1,000 feet above ground level when the crew initiated a go-around because of a nose-gear steering malfunction. The Aviation Herald also noted that the passengers were informed of the nose gear, nose gear steering malfunction by the crew. The A320 climbed to 4,000 feet, and after circling west of Gatwick over the towns of Ple- uh, Pleisto and Loxwood, the crew positioned for another approach. About 25 minutes after initiating the go-around, the aircraft landed safely on 8 right. However, the aircraft rolled to the end of the runway and stopped, having to be subsequently towed off the runway. The aircraft spent the rest of September 21st, as well as the 22nd and 23rd, -hmm. on the ground. It was then ferried from London Gatwick to London Heathrow, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, And then it says uh, in this article, uh, a repeat problem. Interestingly, the aircraft suffered a fairly similar incident over a decade ago. Um, yeah. In 2010, suffering a hydraulic foot failure. Okay, I don't know if that's the same. It's
8: not the same thing. That's what not is the same thing. <laughs> steering
2: problem. The other you know, I the feel like, I feel like you know, I feel like
0: these, metallic. remember a couple of years ago, there was that, uh, it was, it was that um, JetBlue and Jet Long beach. Beach. 320, yeah, in Long Beach, and the funny thing about it is that the passengers in the back were actually watching the live news coverage of their emergency landing. Yeah, um, and uh, so it seems to happen with with uh, air all the time. I remember, I remember an issue with the 330. <laughs> I see Nick's where's Nick? Here.
5: Where's <laughs> Nick?
0: I remember, I remember a three, remember at 330. Uh, it was a Tam uh, 330 going into Kennedy, yeah. uh, which had an issue with uh, the with, with the nose landing gear, and it, it worked itself out before a touchdown. Right. Um, but it seems to happen. It, it happened, uh, what, maybe a month ago, to a Lan three hundred and nineteen in um, in Colombia, I believe it was Cali. Um, so it, it seems to happen all the time with these Airbuses. Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I think. I think it has to. And I mean, I'm, I'm being serious here. It has to do with the even the nose wheel steering on those damn things it seems to be uh, fly by wire, and so it. Uh, once the nose gear comes down, the um, the steering and actuate, uh, actuation system goes through a self test, which um, it at least electronically cycles the nose gear all the way left to all the way right and then back to center without actuating the actual the uh, uh, the uh, the actual um, um, steering um, uh, actuators or the, the the gear and the gear and pinions. Um, but sometimes apparently by some kind of um software flaw uh, or interface flaw for sure it it actually engages the actuators to to cycle the gear and then it gets stuck because you're going all the way to the left and then all the way to the right uh so it's that seems to be the problem um but yeah it's a it's it's an airbus thing apparently hmm. yeah i yeah
2: yeah we have heard incidents like this occur over the years uh but I just thought it was kind of odd that this particular, uh, I don't know, let's see, Author. LinkedIn.com, wherever this came from, uh, thought that, uh, or simplifying, excuse me, that, that this was somehow a similar or repeat par- problem. And I, I don't think that you can really associate the two problems, especially one that occurred back in 2010. I mean, that was like 12 years ago. Uh, I don't know. That's that's pushing it, that's I think. That's stretching it. Yeah. Anywho. Well, thank you, um, Attilio, for sending that in. Uh, Let's continue with uh, this from Bob. Uh, He says, greetings, APG community. This is Bob from Connecticut, a longtime fan from the pre-100 days. Ooh, APG syndrome there, huh? I've flown a bit in a 150, but I like sailing better. Check out my video on what flying and sailing have in common so this is from bob in his video and we're going to go ahead and load that sucker up and watch a little bit of it we're not going to watch the entire thing but it's definitely worth seeing a bit of it and here we go
3: good day apg community bob lufkin here sailing on my catalina 22 Longtime listener from the sub 100 days how about that long time. At any rate, I love sailing. I have flown, but I like sailing better. I just want to give you a little example of why sailing is like flying. See, we have sails. They're in the shape of a wing. Uh, They generate lift. That's what pulls us through the water. Wind goes faster over one side than the other. Um, Just like an airplane, you got to watch where you're going. With sailing, we also have what we call angle of attack. If you see the angle of attack, I think you do the same thing on a plane, you stall. And you can see us right now, we're stalling. The way to recover from a stall, you kick the rudder over. <coughs> kick the rudder over, and we retain the airfoil, to a fine. We steer with a rudder, the rudder going back and forth, just like a plane. Uh, what else is similar? We navigate, GPS, just like a plane. Uh, the wind is important, the tide is important. Just because you're heading one direction doesn't mean you're going that way. So we have a drift, just like when you're flying, you've got to account for crosswinds. We do too sailing. And there's probably a whole bunch of other things. We trim. we trim the sails, just like you trim your plane. We use these lines to trim. But the most important thing is, optimize the shape of your sails, and your have a So, Bob Lufkin on Ohana, coming to you from Westbrook, Connecticut, on the last day of the summer. Thanks for the great show. Over and out.
5: Love that video.
2: I was wrong. We played the whole thing because it was definitely worth playing. Thank you, Bob. It was was good. (laughs) For sending that in. Um, It's been a while since I've... uh, Seen I uh, watched that video and I'd forgotten that uh, it was very informative and uh, it was interesting to see the parallels between sailing and flying. And there were many, many parallels.
0: Can you imagine if, if, if airplanes actually flew the way uh, sailboats uh, navigate them? Can you imagine those nav charts be all like zigzag lines because of the tacking? No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it'd take a long time. Yeah. I mean, we get paid by the we get to it, we get minute, so it'd be good for us. Yeah, it'd but, be good for uh, us. Yeah. yeah Imagine
8: would. glider flying has some similar navigation mm, lines yeah. in there, up and down and up and just more vertical as opposed to
2: yeah.
8: horizontal okay. and longitudinal.
2: I love sure. the you know the a- analogy to the uh, to stalling. You know the the sails stalling and kicking in the rudder to uh, you know recover from the stall. Yeah.
0: What you don't want to do in an airplane because your Fibulous. tail might snap. Well, yeah. Off.
2: I guess it depends on the airplane.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of parallels. Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
8: There you
2: go. Number six. Okay. Number six. Uh, this is from Erbium.
8: Erbium. Uh,
2: and also, Matt sent this in and uh, added a question. I'm curious to know whether. And to what extent the extended priorities are addressed in either military or civilian training. So, um, Erbium says, hi captains and all long time listener, first time feedbacker from the North of Scotland. I first came across the airline pilot guy in 2012. Wow. Long time. I then lost my way for a bit, but eventually came out of a messed up personal life to rediscover APG and to catch the syndrome in full. Now I listen to the audio version everywhere. Walking the dogs, doing the dishes, and while the other half is watching soaps on the telly. You've probably seen the pilot priority list by X KCB, a personal favorite online series. Link is also attached for reference. I've added the view from my APG fevered brain, and here's my take on the list. Okay, so it starts with one, two, three, Aviate, Navigate, Communicate the basics. Uh, number four, decorate. Make the cockpit fancy. <clears throat> Dr. Steph's presence is sufficient, and I, I don't mean solely for her appearance, but also her fancy brains. Yeah, we do appreciate Absolutely. Steph's fancy brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, accelerate. Uh, see how fast she can go. Captain Jeff on any taxiway.
0: <laughs> see, that's why That's why he taxi so with the speed brake at. <laughs> so, so true.
2: A la Southwest. Uh, so Uh, I might, I might, maybe taxi a little bit faster than average. Okay, and uh, let's see. Number six, roller skate, zoom down the aisle for Captain Nick when he's tired of bowls. Okay, Uh, Captain Nick on roller skates. Hmm.
8: That could be dangerous. We're about his ankles. He's
0: got a very high center of gravity, so it's not good. (laughs) Uh, Exfoliate. Uh,
2: controller Liz making the pod nice and shiny. Uh, we do appreciate her exfoliation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, sublimate, turn directly to a vapor. Captain Rick explaining tech stuff in a zen-like state. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's like church for me. <laughs> <laughs> like when he church
2: starts, for all of us. When he, st- yeah, when he starts staring off into the distance, it's like, oh, <laughs> oh wow, no. here we go.
0: Get ready. oh Get
8: there's, there's definitely a certain look
0: <laughs> yeah us. there's a look eyes glaze mm-hmm. over yeah no you're we're, we're <laughs> no really no you you, you
8: just it. start to like look into like the corner somewhere and you can tell that yeah. like you're no longer looking at us you're like visualizing whatever it is <laughs> yeah, so going,
2: talking about we just know that
8: we need to like sit back and grab a snake and, and i start searching weird. for <laughs> the uh
2: <laughs> the crickets <the> cricket <laughs> yeah soundtrack. I thought you grab a Snickers when you're angry. <laughs> no, just
8: when you're going to be there for a while.
2: All right. There we go. All right. Uh, pollinate. Uh, fly low to stir up pollen. Macho Nick. Flying low and slow. All right. He's the pollinator. That's what we're going to call him now. And uh, 10. Congratulate. You're doing a great job. Hey, thanks. We appreciate that. Um Yeah. Let's see. What's this? uh, Pilot priority list celebrate. Serve passengers tiered cakes shaped like the airspace class diagram. Oh, that would be kind of fun. Um, Keep the nose and tailplane pointing the way you want, etc. By the way, my Patreon contribution is my real name. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, So we're not going to mention his real name. Uh, We're just going to call him Erbium. And uh, we do appreciate the fact that he's a patron of our show. So thank you, sir.
0: Just for, for a second, before you move on, just think about that. Uh, think about that um, that airspace tiered cake. That's that's a good one. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. a layered cake upside down. Upside down. Mm-hmm. That's
8: good
6: you'd
0: stuff. have
8: to uh-huh. um, balance it really well. You really will. You'd have a messy cake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of uh, uh, structural integrity. I was going to say, and, you could have a mm-hmm.
2: structural failure there if you're not careful. Yeah. You know, be yeah, careful. And
0: Mon- Monaco construction. Yes. Jesus, Lucy. But just back
6: to the question. Back yes. Oh, back to the
2: question. Oh, to the, question. Uh, the question was, what uh, extent the extended priorities are addressed in either military or civilian training?
8: Hmm. Not at all. You mean hmm. just the first three?
2: Yeah, um, well, the first three, of course. But uh, the rest of them, not so much.
8: Probably pretty equally stressed.
2: Yeah. Oh, especially no. Decorate.
8: Decorate, yeah, <laughs> it's
2: important. <laughs> Exfoliate or exfoliation, it is important. Okay, number uh, seven. Thank you very much, Erbium, and uh, was it Matt that also yeah. sent that in? Okay, um, number seven. Oh, this is a good one. And again, I have to load up the video for this. Uh, don't worry, it's definitely worth it. And uh, support City Sound. Okay. Um, going back over here to this, um, from Wim Swart, Swarterts. Swarterts um, yeah, I think so. Uh, that sounds like a, like a Dutch name, maybe.
6: Dutch, I would say. Yeah.
2: And okay. he sent us a link to this and he said on Facebook, he saw this and he said, singing and flying should be right up your alley. Well, it's kind of personal, uh, but, uh, we will play this video to see what he's uh talking about and here we go where is it back oh, here
1: Morning. now in the park you'll hear
3: the happy song of the carousel you can almost
6: taste the hot dogs and french fries under the ball
3: I get with my babies where I'll be under the boardwalk.
1: Love mm-hmm. the sun under the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. We'll be having some fun under the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. Walking above under the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. We'll be balling in love under the
2: boardwalk. boardwalk. <laughs> ah, that's great. That uh was a barbershop quartet group. Uh the what we call them, a port city, port city sound, sound on uh, uh looks like uh, a regional jet. Um
8: it's not a CRJ two hundred because the windows are in the appropriate
0: that system. looks like an ERJ one seventy five. Yeah, it's a it little does. bit bigger it's RJ. On the, yeah. on the windows. Yeah. Maybe it's that same one where they had that stabilizer issue with
2: it could be, although I don't think yeah. that they would have been that happy um I don't know yeah, but yeah. uh yeah, that's harmony great uh, great singers there, and that what a treat for the uh, passengers for the for this group and somebody must have recognized them and said, hey can you can you sing something for us?" and uh, they did that's awesome, yeah, thank you for sending that in, uh, Wim. Wim. And uh, let's continue.
6: Tim Van Ram, he was here earlier.
2: Tim Van Ram was with us earlier. I'm not sure he's still here with us in the live audience. Uh, uh, Let's see. Tim sent us this. The story of a first officer in Afghanistan that fled to the U.S. So he sent us a link to a a Huffington Post uh, article. APG crew ran across a story about an Afghan first officer that fled his home and is trying to get back to a flying career in the U.S. I wish him luck. And uh, like thousands of Afghans now in the U.S., Hafiz Barzada has to start over thousands of miles from a home he may not be able to see again. And he uh, packed to leave Kabul, uh, the day the US completely withdrew its forces on August 30th last year. He knew this was his last takeoff from the country he had always called home. He wore his navy blue gold stripe pilot's uniform and flight bag. He boarded the plane, but this time he sat in the passenger seat. When he had when Kabul had Kabul had fallen to the Taliban 2 weeks earlier, many pilots stayed underground and refused to take flights, but uh, Akbar Zada Thirty-two was one of the few commercial pilots who continued to operate despite the chaos that plagued the airport. Anyway, so that story goes on to talk about uh, how he has uh, made it over here to the U.S. and now he's trying to start over and uh, you know get back into the flying career and all of the all of the obstacles that he is having to um, tackle uh, to do this. And great story. It is really a good story. And, uh, and, you know, just like many professions, like, you know, doctors and, and, uh, other, you know, professionals, they, um, have to, you know, basically they come here and they requalify. don't have anything, you know, and they have to requalify and, and, uh, recertify and all that kind of stuff to kind of start doing the thing that they were doing, you know, before uh, they left uh, wherever they came I'm from. I'm sure
8: he's, he's got some work to do, but it does look like he at least, um, when he was doing his training, he did come over to Florida and did his commercial certificate yeah, here. That's so be helpful. hopefully that's a so good may, step in the right direction.
2: He may already have like FAA certification, which is uh, good for him. Okay. Anyway, so we'll have a link to this story, uh, which is, a, as Liz said, a very good one. And continuing on, uh, so we have some feedback from Sam says, hello, Captain Jeff and crew. I recently introduced my nephew to your podcast. He is in the process of signing up for a branch of the military, hoping to fly. Uh, While visiting last weekend, he told me you put out a new episode. We listened to episode 536 together and heard your responses to my feedback. I'm glad you all got a laugh from my comment about logging in hours while only hand flying. I did not realize the work involved while on autopilot. Thank you for setting me straight. Yeah. Well, hopefully we didn't, you know, upset you by that. But, uh, you yeah, know, I think that people who aren't familiar with piloting and our job of flying and autopilots and all that kind of stuff, they have a, a, the wrong idea about exactly what happens when you turn the autopilot on. You know, you just hit a button and then it just automatic, auto, automatically does everything on its own. But no, we were still very, very actively involved in flying the airplane through the autopilot system. Um, he said, I I would also like to thank Captain Nick and, and Mr. Camacho for their input. Also, thank you for the suggestion of not comparing accidents True, each situation is unique. Having been listening for about a month now, and I'm learning so much. I've listened to episodes 500 to current, and I'm listening to the earlier episodes while waiting for the new ones to be aired. I'm currently on episode 50. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Since I plan to continue listening and sending in more feedback, I would like to tell you a little bit about myself. I am 59 years old and have a 23-year-old daughter who became a a registered nurse this year and a 20-year-old son. In 1990, I took Cessna 172 lessons out of Van Nuys in California, accumulating 20 hours, uh, but didn't continue after marrying and starting a family. I always wanted to be a commercial airline pilot, but gave up on the dream when my high school counselor highly suggested joining the military. At the time, the Iran-Iraq conflict was in motion, and I feared the possibility of having to go to war. My father served in Korea, earning a Purple Heart, and I never could get past the fear of the realities of war. I didn't find out until later I could earn my certificate privately, but it was too costly. My cousin Noah, an Air Force C-130 pilot and instructor, is currently stationed in St. Louis, After asking if he would take me up in a 172, he suggested taking a road trip together. I'll let you know when that transpires. I, too, am Catholic, a Byzantine Catholic, and attended parochial school. Another nephew is currently completing his education at Creighton in Omaha. Not being blessed with a fantastic voice such as yours, Jeff, oh, thank you, I opted to be an altar server until age 25. Strange as it may seem, i time flying commercial is one of the most anticipated parts of my trips. My first long flight was to Asia in 2018. The 13 hours flew by so fast. I'm sure it had much to do with the comfort of modern airliners and the fact that I just love being in them. By the way, the Incheon airport is amazing. I don't think I've ever been there, but I think which terminal
0: though, because there's one's better than the other.
2: I don't know. must've been the good one.
0: Yeah, definitely the good one. Uh, Ah, they're both good, but yeah, Yeah. I I, I like Incheon. Funny thing about Incheon, though, it's so close to uh, North Korea that if you take off to the north, you have to be very, very careful to make an immediate, I'm talking immediate left turn, so that you don't make the news or get shut down. Yeah, get a missile fired Mm -hmm. at you.
2: I had a 45-minute layover there on my way to Tokyo. Friends that travel for the business uh, told me that it would be very difficult to make that connection. Not so. It was easy. That airport is impressively efficient. Uh, other major airports should consider their design. Any thoughts? I'm not a frequent traveler, but the experience was not stressful in the least. My uncle, Noah's dad, flew a C-130 during the Vietnam War and another uncle and cousin flew general aviation. Now my, my nephew is looking forward to his military and or commercial career. I guess I should get off my arse and complete my training. Love the show. Peace to all of you. Sam Bolog or Bolog. Or blog, maybe he has a blog.
5: <laughs>
2: I don't know. Ooh, that He's would be been good. Sending in lots of he stuff. It could be a bolog, blog. Sam bolog, blog. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Sam, for sending that in. And any any nice commentary? to get
8: to know a little bit more about our listeners. Every yeah, it once is in a while. So, so you know, getting to know you listener edition.
2: It really is. I, I like it.
0: it. Yeah, very nice.
2: Yeah, uh, we, we I think we kind of mentioned or started to do that quite. a, quite some time ago um, and thought it would be a cool thing to do. And then we just never followed up on it. Oh, well, it's
6: part of the feedback we love to get.
2: Yep. That's part of the feedback we love to get. Okay. Speaking of uh, we get a lot of feedback from Robert, um, formerly yeah. of uh, near the big chicken in Marietta, but now in Tucker, Georgia. Uh, he every year uh, goes to the Atlanta uh, airport, international airport, 4k and, um, wait, 4k, he says, sharing another photo. He
8: completed 4ks of the on the 5K. Atlanta
2: 5k. Okay. So he, he got four fifths of it completed, but it was a 5k. Okay. On the fifth runway, uh, on Saturday morning, as expected, I got diver- diverted towards the end. However, one of the volunteers made it a point to tell me I was in fact, not the last person to make it around. She said that there were at least six other walkers behind me. We're showing some photos now in the uh, video of the uh, of, of the event at the Fifth Runway in Atlanta, the Runway 2810. And he sent us a link to his Google Drive. And so we have some photos here. Um, and we, I believe, have some video as well. Um, so let me uh, see if I can uh, get some of that uh, cranked up.
0: That was the notum that. While uh,
8: you're while you're working on that, yeah. I'm doing the uh, Charlotte 5K on the runway this upcoming Saturday.
0: Oh, good Ooh, for you! You going to do that? Blow them all out of the water? Show how it's done? Probably not. Make everybody I'm... feel ah. bad?
8: Yeah, I don't know. I haven't decided if I'm really going to race it or not. Last year, I had a personal best time at that race, so hmm, it's, it's fast and flat, and if it's cool in the morning, it's a nice nice place
0: nice. to run. And Nice. And the extra motivation. They do it. They do
8: it on on the left side.
0: Good, good. So they can't use that, that freaking exactly. runway for a change. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> What's their excuse now? <sighs> well, how do you feel It'll about It'll only that? be closed
8: from like, you know, 6 a.m. until 8 a.m., though, unfortunately.
0: Huh. So I remember, like, in- I, was, I told you the other day, the, the, the one time I flew into Charlotte, uh, um, they wanted to give me that runway and for, for performance. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Not taking it. Because I knew Steffi was in the center runway waiting for me because she was going to catch my landing. Mm-hmm. So I told him, no, nope, can't I still do didn't it. Couldn't get his landing. Yeah, nope. operational. It, yeah, they put me over. Yeah, <laughs> they put me over in the right room. I was like, God, you son of a bird. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't get my way. Oh uh, wow. Well. Nobody was to land on you're that.
8: You were
2: trying to land on the center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good Stephanie was there. Yeah, good luck with that.
8: <laughs> yeah, the, and then they moved the airport overlook anyway because they're doing some construction, some extensive construction, uh, but. um no uh um nobody wants that runway to be fair. I had listen to people uh, listened to uh pilot's requests and basically the uh, the east runway all day long, so either three six right or one eight left as the uh <sighs> winds uh require, but it's it's rare that they'll change it if they've already decided they're going to the west runway
2: i I land on that west runway ninety percent of the time at least yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. The the worst part of video? it it's not a bad runway it's
8: crossing the it's center. just crossing
2: the center runway that they're using for all the takeoffs. And no, the problem is
0: takes- that usually I don't I don't have I don't have forty seven thousand quarters in my pockets to pay the freaking toll to go all the way to the other side of the airport. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of tolls a lot, wow. of, a lot of yeah. Jeez, kind
2: of mm-hmm. kind of sensitive about this, Rick.
0: I know, I know.
2: Okay, the nerve. Let's uh, play Robert's video.
0: Good morning, guys. Trying to
4: pull this together again and see how far I make it before they uh, drag me off the uh, fifth runway. So, uh, hopefully, see you guys soon. And um, there's quite a few people at least still behind me. But, uh, yeah, nice, what, 50, about 52 degrees, no, 58 degrees this morning. It's pretty chilly out here. After all
3: the uh, folks moved away from the body heat and all, so but yeah, I'll include another video or two. Uh, so, so that's fun,
2: like uh, some
4: older ladies doing a little relay. But uh thanks for all the uh, feedback you've taken, and uh, talk to you guys soon.
2: All right, here's some more. All right, keep on coming, y'all. Keep
3: on coming. Look at this. This, this, this is what two thousand people look like. Come on, everybody, keep it coming. We're trying to get started. We got about three more minutes. Three or four more minutes.
2: i showing all the people there uh, in the wee hours of the morning. And let's do some dancing. <laughs> okay, so. Here's some video coverage of the Atlanta 5K. Thank you, Robert, for that. And one of the uh, pictures that he sent in uh, was of, uh, yeah. One, all right, keep on coming, nope. y'all. Keep on coming. I don't know what's Sorry.
5: going
2: on.
6: Okay. Nope, that <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. Sorry.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, I got that before. So there we go. The 747, 800. 800. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. Uh, B 747, <laughs> uh, dash eight. Uh, there's a, a, a sign, uh, or a painted surface with this on it and a, and a dotted line. And I believe that, um, Robert had a question regarding that. So let me see if I can find his, uh, he,
8: I, I think I have it here. He said, yeah. I keep forgetting to ask, as seen on Atlanta's fifth runway, what is this sign? Does it have anything to do with the Boeing 747-8? 800.
2: Well.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. Get it right. It's
2: 800. <laughs> Dash eight. Uh, so I don't know. What is that? Uh, so I know somebody who uh, has some experience with that aircraft. Uh, Rick. What is that? What is that? Seven forty-seven eight. What does that mean?
0: So this uh, this seven forty-seven eight. It's got uh, it's it's got two hundred and twenty-five glorious feet of wingspan. So it's it's a pretty pretty big airplane. And so there are um, you can't just taxi that airplane anywhere. You know, any old taxiway in the in, in the airport. In fact, we have dedicated taxi routes for the seven forty-seven forty-seven-eight. eight. And so. That particular line there seems to be a hold line for other airplanes so that um, if there's a 747-8 taxiing around, uh, you hold short of that line to make sure that there's enough clearance between um, that uh, jet, so wings, and uh, whatever puddle jumper you happen to be on. So um, that's basically it. I
2: I want to point out that the photo that we're – Showing here on the um video, and I'll put in the show notes. See that little, that little uh greenish looking um stripe going across the seven? That was when they told me to hold short of that point, and uh, (laughs) I was going a little bit fast because I, I could tell
0: that with Jeff taxing at 47
2: (laughs) 47 (laughs) knots.
8: Yeah, he's like, I think I'm supposed to go. Oh, I was supposed to hold short of that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was skidding across that sign. Sorry,
0: yeah, Yeah. no, but it's, it's really interesting because um the as i said the, the wingspan is so great on this thing that you can't just taxi anywhere and it, it gets really really complicated when uh not only do you have to uh taxi on on 747-8 approved rats only but also when you uh get into um uh, low visibility operations because um uh, there is also taxiways so when when there's low vis operations going on um you can you also can't taxi on on just any old taxiway um and so you have to combine the airport planners and airport operations. They have to combine low visibility taxi routes with 747-8 or 380 taxi routes, which uh, oftentimes um, means that you know the 74 and the A380 kind of you know they can't get delayed because of just that. Just their wingspan is so great that uh, they can't just taxi any old way. And I included a picture there of my um, my EFB my electronic flight bag um Atlanta Maharnsfield Airport there. And if you look at um carefully, there's a certain uh, there's there's a few taxiways there that are uh in red and obviously those are taxiways that you cannot uh take on a on a on a dash eight because of the because of the wingspan. Um so yeah it's a big girl. Really
2: big girl. Oh so Liz is saying basically size matters.
0: Oh, it does. It does. I believe that. Uh, no, it, no, I do. I, I do believe I'm right on this one. Um, Doesn't happen often, but the seven four seven the dash eight is the. Now that the AN two two five is no more, the seven four seven dash eight is the longest um, commercial airliner in use. It was actually longer than the three eighty, before the um, before the seven four seven dash eight came uh, to be. The longest one was the three forty six hundred. Uh, but no, no more. Seven forty-seven eight. It is
2: very cool. All right. I hope that answers your question, Robert, regarding that seven forty-seven eight signage on the uh, on the on the taxiway. I see it all the time. Okay. Um, what do we do, Liz? Keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Okay. Uh, oh, we have some audio feedback from uh, Captain Puneeth. Uh, he says, I love your show and do not hesitate to say that yours is the one of the best podcasts I've come across. I've been listening to your podcast for a little over a year, and I've wanted to send you this audio feedback for a while now. I really love the soundtrack at the end of the show and have been trying to play it on my guitar for a while now. Oh, the uh, uh, the fact that I'm um, not a very good pilot anymore because I'm, no, I'm doing the no. APG. Is that the one he's talking about? Yeah. yeah good. <laughs> oh, old ladies." Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, let's uh, listen to uh,
9: this audio feedback from Captain Panith. Greetings to all APG crew, Captain Jeff, Captain Nick, Dr. Steph, Captain Miami Rick, Liz, and all the guest hosts and APG community. It's been over a year since episode 483 aired, and I've wanted to write to you ever since. However, I wanted to wait for the right moment. Although this moment arrived much later than I expected, I am now in a position to end this audio feedback on a happy note. I must say I can totally relate to First Officer Rico's story from episode 483. Although mine wasn't nearly as painful and difficult, I feel it was very close. It has been over 15 years since the day I stepped into the little Cessna 150 halfway across the globe from my hometown to give wings to my dream of becoming an airline pilot. In those 15 plus years, I've shared a studio apartment with three other guys, I've worked in a grocery store for minimum wages, I've worked at a startup with no relation to aviation, I've been jobless for years looking for the right opportunity, worked as a military pilot, carried out drug busts, flown SAR missions, and saved lives to name a few of the things that I've done. There were many sleepless nights when I cursed myself and others where I felt proud of what I have been able to accomplish as a pilot, which I'm sure would have been a distant dream otherwise. I've been away from the flight deck for almost two years thanks to the COVID pandemic, but now I've finally landed myself a job as an airline captain. These past two years when I was on the ground with my wings slipped. The only thing that kept me sane was your podcast and a few others that you suggested, like uh, Squawk Ident by Aviator Tony. I simply love each of your personalities and wish that Miami Rick would be part of more of more episodes than he is. Finally, I want to thank you and people like First Officer Rico who send in feedbacks that inspire us mere mortals. To dream to fly high and never give up. Keep up the great work and the blue side up. This is Captain Haggerty signing off. This, folks,
2: is the yeah. reason why we do this show. Chokes and, me up. Yeah. Good to hear from you, Captain. And thank you for your perseverance. Um, because it would have been easy, so easy, uh, all the things you just discussed, to just give up. And do something else, but you kept with it and you kept pursuing it, and uh, now you're back where you belong. And uh, we are humbled to know that we and other aviation podcasts are a small part of your inspiration to to keep going. I
8: appreciate absolutely. As- oh, sorry, right. no, no, go ahead, about, about your uh, perseverance there too, because. Um, Man, it's just sometimes it's, it's tough in this industry and, you know, it's not my profession, but I've certainly talked to a lot of pilots along the way. And um, just depending on the time you get into doing things or world events or where you are in the world, um, it can take a lot to get to reach, um, you know, um, reach your goals and, and dreams. And we appreciate hearing from people who don't give up on that and who stay positive along the way and send in, you know, stories to let others know that it's, it's possible and not to give up as well. So thanks.
0: Absolutely. You, you, you certainly honor me, sir. And, um, uh, we're happy that you're, uh, as, as Jeff said, back in your rightful place. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just that it's, it's a journey. It really is. Um, you know, uh, all, all, all roads lead to Rome, they say. And Rome really is, uh, for those of us who, um, were born with this bug of ours. Uh, Rome is the flight deck and, um, um, but there are many ways to get there. And for some of us, the, the road has been long and winding for others has been a straight shot and that's really nobody's fault. It's just a, uh, kind of the, uh, the, the hand that you were dealt at the time. Um, but, um, uh, the, the one thing that, that, that those of us that have this bug all share is, is, is that perseverance that, uh, you know, no is not an answer. Um, and, and, um, and And that love for this craft of ours is truly is infectious um and the idea here is to um try to um inspire as many people as possible to uh pursue that uh that dream that at times seems unreachable, but it's it's really not, and you've proven that and so uh again sir you honor me and uh congratulations. yes. Um,
2: hopefully absolutely. at some point in the future we'll be able to meet you in person and share a a, a great indian beer or whatever uh with you oh yes or oh, yes. indian meal yeah Ooh, i love indian uh, cuisine absolutely yeah um yeah but uh, honestly that the, this kind of thing is is um it, it's 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 um Reward, not rewarding, but um, it's it's motivational uh, motivational for, well, not only for us who uh, are the hosts of the show, but also people that are listening. And it really does, yeah. as you, you, you know, you got something from hearing First Officer Rico's amazing, incredible story and his perseverance. I mean, it touched a lot of people and, and you're among them and your audio feedback and your story is obviously going to touch many as well. So thank you very much for for doing that, for sending, taking the time to send that uh, feedback in, Captain, we really do appreciate. Absolutely. Well, you know what, Liz? I think she's telling me that the control room is saying uh, we have, you know, about 10 minutes approximately to go for three hours. I think that I, I'd love to end the show on that last piece of feedback. And uh, because it's very inspirational and uh, I don't know how you talk that. So we have some great feedback remaining, uh, which makes Liz happy. And so uh, we'll, we'll uh, definitely put that at the front yeah. of the line for the next the next episode. And uh, with that, we're going to uh, wrap up this show and uh, tell you that, uh, as we always do, that you should head over to com, the website where we have all kinds of good stuff that you can check out. And, uh, we are also on, on social media, what I like to, cause I'm an old geezer and I like to call things by really stupid, ridiculous names like social meds and, uh, like a, yeah, like a like a bad dad joke. I'm really good at that. Yeah, hey, I, uh, love, I love dad jokes. <laughs> I best. do too. I really think they're funny actually, and uh, because I'm an uh, I'm an old dad. Um, so Steph, you have an old dad, um, but you also are into the the kid stuff. You know the social media.
8: Stuff. I'm cool. I'm hip. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. you are. I'm cool. I'm hip
2: tell us about that cool stuff. Hey,
8: on the social medias, <laughs> the social medias, you know, the IG, the Insta, oh. uh, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Facebook. We can start there. We're on Facebook. Um, Facebook.com slash AirlinePilotGuy is where you'll find us. Uh, over at Twitter, we're at APG Crew. We've got <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm all choked up over that one. Apparently, <laughs> yes, got um, individual Twitter handles pinned to the top of that page if you so desire to look that up. And then on the Insta, we're APG crew as well. Um, if that's not quite enough for you, I suggest Slack. And I think Khalil may be around to inform us.
2: I he always seems to be. So let me see if we can turn up the uh, hidden microphone. That's and inspirational. It. Okay. Yeah, I hear the I hear the water. Hang on. Let me see. Hang on. Hey, hey, Hillel, can you tell us about Slack? Okay, but I'm dripping wet. That's okay. Come on. Come on over here. Tell us about Slack, please.
3: APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at Slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S L A C K Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1. And see you in Slack.
2: Well, thank you, Hillel, for your managing and uh, all the stuff you do over there in Slack. And the soap dish. Okay. You'd think that that would be obvious. but no.
8: I don't know. It's kind of dark in there right now, Jeff. Do you have any it is lights dark. in that place?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, where he is in the bathroom, oh. we have like bright Plenty lights, lights. Okay. that he can see things. and sadly. He's got a
0: spotlight that falls in the <laughs> <laughs> Music, and
2: uh, Also, we'd like to thank Liz for all of her hard work behind the scenes. Uh, She puts in every week uh, before the show, during the show, and after the show. So, thank you, Liz. Really appreciate you. My pleasure.
6: Keep that feedback coming in, everybody. Absolutely.
2: And with that, we're going to say, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds, Talons, Douglas.
8: Cheers, y'all.
7: Talons, Douglas, it is. See you next time.
8: Bye, everybody.
9: Till I started APG. I opened doors for little old ladies. I helped them to their seats. Airline pilot guy. I fly a little metal. Airline pilot guy. He can't land in heavy fall. I got no friends cause I'm always flying. I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline pilot guy I'm a flyer Airline pilot guy